Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That shit crazy. On a Saturday. It's all even with your boy Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on Podbeam as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I'm all over the place, man. And trust me, go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, like, share, and comment because the page is growing, baby. That All Even Wave. Get on that wave. Lots to get into. We'll talk about the USA men's basketball team and how they won gold. I got to congratulate them as well. Phone a friend is back with fellow podcaster Darren Campbell. We're going to discuss life and podcasting, sports, and all different types of stuff. And then the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. Let's just get the pleasantries out of the way, shall we? I'd like to congratulate the U.S. men's basketball team for winning gold in Tokyo. That was a great feat. You know, they started off poorly in regards to exhibition. They didn't look good. I still didn't like the roster construction, but they put it all together. Kevin Durant went to another level, um, really led his team, and had a great game in the finals. I think he had like 29 points or so against France. So, you know, shouts to the U.S. men's basketball team for winning gold and uh, continuing the dominance of international basketball for the United States. Um, You know, for the players that are, you know, they want to celebrate and kind of, you know, be in their bag and they they stuff right now, talk about all the people that doubted them and all that stuff. Okay, I mean, that's fine. I was one of them. Didn't like the roster construction. Didn't like how they were being coached, but they all galvanized together. They got it done. They made it work and shouts to them. I'm going to stand on my square. I'm still very objective and and very fair in my objection in regards to what I saw. But athletes can be able to rise above any type of criticism or, you know, analysis that people will will have. So shouts to them. You know what I mean? I I have nothing bad to say about those players. They came together and, and they gelled um in a short period of time it's very hard to be able to put those type of personalities together find a common ground find uh what works you know what roles guys are going to be able to um to accept and take on so you know shouts to them they they definitely they definitely play well down the stretch moving on moving on 
free agency is pretty much over in the NBA. And how do I feel about my Los Angeles Lakers today? Well, you know, if we want to recap, I put out the YouTube video. I didn't want Russ. Um, definitely up there now. Obviously, you can go ahead and see it. It's a moot point right now, but it's still a pretty good video. Go check that out on the page. But I said I, did, I didn't want him. He ends up coming. Uh, and then I wanted to see how they filled the roster out. So they added a lot of shooting. Wayne Ellington. They got um, Kent Bazemore. Carmelo Anthony. They added Kendrick Nunn. They added Malik Monk. Resigned THT. So they did a lot of things. The Weiss back. So do I like this team? Yes, I like this team. Are they an old team? Absolutely, they're an old team. But my thing is with an old roster is that these guys are all on the tail end of their career. They've accomplished a lot of individual stuff. At this point of their careers, they want to win. They're going to sacrifice everything they have to do to win. And that's what I like to see. I like teams like this. This is why the team uh, last season or the season before the, the, the COVID season, the bubble season, I enjoyed that team because it was kind of like a scrap unit, put guys together, but they gelled well because they bought into what was needed to 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 succeed. Guys took their roles. Obviously, everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to be the star. But when you accept your role and you know your role and you thrive in that role, that's when chemistry blossoms. That's when teams get better. That's when teams can be able to overachieve. That's what I like. And with this team that happened this season, you had a lot of egos, a lot of guys that had, you know, certain things that they wanted to achieve and certain milestones and they want to be this and that. And I ain't going to say no names because I'm holding it for later. But that's 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 the difference between this team this season and the team of last season is that you don't have egos. You got guys that are saying, listen, I've done a ton in this league. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that we win. So, shouts to Rob Palenka. I like what he did. Um, Alex Caruso, obviously, he was a tax casualty. They didn't want to go into the luxury tax for him. Uh, would I have done it? Absolutely. But I understand going in another direction. You got Kendrick Nunn. You got Malik Monk. So, definitely got some great value. There's still some roster spots open. So, definitely want to see where they go ahead and do that as well as uh, Frank Vogel getting extended by the Lakers. I think that they wanted to kind of get all the difficult stuff out of the way first, finding out who that, that third guy was, filling out the roster. I think this was always the plan for Frank Vogel. That's why you didn't hear him uh, have any conversations. There was no interviews. People weren't asking him about his contract because they've always had this plan. Let's kind of keep it in the tuck. Let's keep it in the, you know, on the low until, you know, we get this roster down, then we can be able to announce your extension because the, the details of the deal are still not out. So shouts to Vogel, shouts to uh, Palenka, shouts to Genie, everybody involved there, um, Kurt Rambis and them for getting this done, this roster. It's interesting. I like it. I like the, the youth as well as the veterans. I always believe that when you have young players as well as established veteran players, you can be able to put them all in one pot you can be able to create magic. So, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers to me are are one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the West. I would say that they're number one. Um, 
you know, if you want to put Brooklyn overall the favorites to get to the finals and are they the best team in the league next year? Okay, you know, they can definitely have that. But in regards to winning the championship next season, I'm going Lakers. I'm going Lakers. That that's that's just how I am. Uh it's not about being a a, a Lakers stan or I'm trying to have a biased opinion. Based on the roster that I see, what they can be able to get to, what level they can be able to reach, this can be a scary team. But let's go ahead and talk about the winners and losers from free agency. Uh, Big-time winners to me definitely has to be the Chicago Bulls. I think the Bulls did well um, getting Lonzo Ball, getting DeMar DeRozan. Do the pieces in regards to DeRozan, does he fit? We'll see exactly how... Billy Donovan wants to utilize him, but I like the move. I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. So they have a lot of firepower over there. They have some depth now that they can be able to use at their disposal. So I think the, the Chicago Bulls are big winners. Other big winners to me, um, I believe that the Brooklyn Nets won uh, getting Patty Mills. That was a great deal. Who else won? I, I believe that Golden State. Golden State did very well. They got Bielitsa. They got Iguodala. They re-signed Steph Curry to a gargantuan deal. First player in NBA history to sign two uh, $200 million contracts. So, you know, he continues to be the first to do things. You know, the first uh, unanimous MVP. Now he's the first two $200 million uh, deals. So, shouts to Steph. Um, but Golden State did well. You know, they they pretty much kept the same roster and kind of you know, got back into the old way of doing things. They're going to have Clay back, Iguodala. So look out for the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think the Miami Heat, I think the Miami Heat improved in regards to getting Kyle Lowry, re-signing uh, Butler. But the the Duncan Robinson deal to me was just bad. Five years, 90 million. Really? Really? Guy doesn't rebound, can't pass, can't dribble, can't play defense. He can shoot. Ninety million for that? Nah. I think that was a I think that was a gross overpay. I think the Knicks did well in some spots. Getting Kemba Walker on a cheap deal was really good. Um re signing Julius Randle. Four years, $117 million. Eh, you know, people can be able to to kind of um decide if that's an overpay or not. I would love to know what Bill Pito thinks of this. Shouts to Bill Pito. He was on the show. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Knicks didn't do too bad, man. I, I like what they did. I, I would have gave Nerlens a two-year deal instead of a three. But the one questionable move that I saw that I didn't necessarily like is all that money they gave to Evan Fournier. I mean, Evan Fournier is a decent player, but what was it, $74 million they gave the guy, 78? I, I don't... That's that's too much. It's too much for him. He's never really been a a guy that can be able to really like fill it up when you need him to. So I I, I don't really know. I don't really know. Biggest losers. Biggest losers to me. Uh you gotta go NBA Siberia. They're up there. They signed a whole bunch of forwards to two year deals and none of it makes sense. Like, none of the pieces fit together. So, they're going to continue to be NBA Siberia. So, shouts to the Kings. Uh, the other loser, to me, in regards to organization, 
gotta be the New Orleans Pelicans. The entire offseason, the rumors we heard that they're gearing up money to make a push at Kyle Lowry because they can then they can be able to convince Kyle Lowry to take $90 million from them. Nobody's going to New Orleans. You have to trade for players. You can't sign guys. And who did they get? They let Lonzo Ball walk out the door for $84 million. They could have signed him, could have kept that big three together in regards to Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson. Instead, you break it up and you put in Devontae Graham instead. How does that make sense? That's right, it doesn't. (laughs) This is why the Pelicans are the Pelicans. I'm sure that at some point, David Griffin may just resign. I I don't know. Something just tells me that he's just going to say, yeah, I just don't want to do this anymore because none of the moves that he's making make sense. Nothing. Nothing makes sense. You know, they they went ahead and traded for uh, Jonas Valachunas. Okay. But everything else don't make sense. This is not a playoff team next year. At all. At all. And that was the goal, obviously, right? To get veterans to surround Zion and Brandon with some veterans to be able to possibly make a push for the playoffs because they got the play-in tournament again this season. But this team is nowhere close to that. They're bad. And they will continue to be bad. Another uh, loser to me in regards to not really who they signed, but just how long they signed them for. Uh, The Phoenix Suns. Signing Chris Paul to a four-year, $120 million deal, it's a bit much to me. I, I wouldn't have gave him no more than two, probably, you know, with a third-year team option. But for what I'm hearing in regards, in regards to the reports is that I think the last two years or last year the deal may be, like, partially guaranteed. So there's a way to be able to get out of that contract if they want to if Chris Paul decides to retire or they feel that, his skills are eroding and they want to get out of that particular uh, uh, contract, they have some some leverage to do so. So there's some some language in there that I think the contract for the last two years are not fully guaranteed, something like that. So, okay, they, they kind of made up for that, but I'm still putting them in the loser's bracket for me because you, you, you shouldn't have to do that. Just give them a two-year deal, out the gate, and that's it. I ain't got to put no more language and no stuff on the back end. No, no, no. Two years. When we come in for two years, we give you $40 million a year, 80, 80 million over two years. Take it or leave it. Because you wasn't getting that from nobody else. Nobody was giving you no more than what you got from, from Phoenix. So, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you got to take a loss to appease to certain players. And in Phoenix's situation, did they really have a choice? Did they really? But hey, it doesn't matter. I mean, listen, they're going to be fighting for 7th and 8th next season. <laughs> so, really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Coming up after the break, phone a friend with my man Darren Campbell. On a Saturday. It's all even. Yo, it's your man DJ G Money from that Flip the Script podcast. Yeah, yeah, we in the studio right now. Flip set up. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, listen. Shout out to the Old Even podcast. My oh, man yeah. Barry Grant oh, Jr. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up, oh, man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? What you, what you want to say to the people? Shout out to somebody else's podcast. Yeah, my nigga's enjoying. What's up? Oh, even. Oh, even podcast. Yo, it ain't even up here, boy. <laughs> we put this on something. Oh, even. 
Yo, you, oh my God, what's up with you, man? Now you, well, that's a shot of you keeping this? Yeah, keep all that. <laughs> you want your all even podcast? Yeah, all even. All even podcast, right? Yeah, all even. That's your man? My man. All right, shout out to all even podcast. Hey, cool. Hey, cool. Hey, cool. Is he? Hey, cool. Is he cool? Hey, cool. Is he cool? Hey, cool. Is he cool? Is he cool? Is he cool? Is he Call him up, 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 call him up. Competing for a reason, trying to stay undefeated, yeah. Call him up, 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 call him up. Game of the season, don't lie, we're all leaving, yeah. Who we have on the show today is a very good friend of mine. He's a fellow podcaster himself. He has the Complete Sports Podcast, a part of the Complete Sports Media network welcome to the show my man darren campbell hey thank you thanks it's a really nice introduction appreciate it uh it's great to be joining you here today this is gonna be fun absolutely man you know i was on your show probably what was it, like a month back yeah that and you know we we had a lot of fun man we had a great conversation so you know hope everything is well with you out there in, in british columbia <laughs> sure is yeah yeah things are good yeah we've uh, we've had the, our difficulties, obviously, with COVID, and yeah. uh, we're we're into wildfire season right now. Oh and wow! So it's been tough. Yeah. Uh, it's um, yeah, causing air quality troubles and lots of evacuations of small towns uh, throughout the province, and it's been uh, pretty concerning. Um, this global warming has uh, really yeah just uh, reared its ugly head over the last uh, three four summers and uh we're having another bad one here so uh yeah something that we have to deal with but um yeah everything's pretty good here uh covid's doing pretty good and uh uh we finally got some rain this weekend i think a lot of people were actually hoping for it so uh yeah it's a good thing we're in indoors doing this and uh yeah we're gonna have fun today i'm, I'm really looking forward to it Absolutely, man. Well, listen, you know, you're out there. You guys do it better than us here anyway. So you'll be fine. <laughs> you, you, you guys will get it done. You know, we're, we're always lagging behind. So right, right. Um, So I guess, you know, I, I like to always start off by, you know, you can be able to put your social media stuff out there where, where people can find you. Sure. Yeah. Um, Complete Media Network is our website. Uh, you can go there and you can find uh, so much of the organization. Uh, the Complete Media Network is the uh, tree and then all the branches that are coming down. So we've got sports, we've got music, we've got travel, food and beverage, business, uh, family stuff, uh, lots and lots of branches. Uh, we originally started with the sports media and uh, I was a reporter for over 20 years covering most of the major sports in North America. and. Uh, started to really not enjoy it as much so decided to transition transition into something else i got into the film industry which is huge here uh we're called hollywood north here okay. and uh so i've been doing that for the last five years or so and um decided yeah i needed to get back into sports uh it's my biggest passion my biggest love and um, so we created this and uh it's been going great guns uh, it's just o over a year now and uh, lots of fun. We're uh, we're having a great time, and we're getting to you know meet great people like you. Uh, just yeah, can't beat it. It's been fun. 
No, nah, definitely, man. Definitely. That's that's awesome. Like you guys are doing big stuff. I, you know, I checked out the website a couple of times. Like, you know, you're very organized. I love love the way you kind of section everything off. You have you have certain, um, you know, trending news topics and stuff like that. Like, you know, NFL free agency, you, uh, excuse me, uh, NHL free agency. You had yeah. NBA stuff. So really like what you guys got going on, man. Like I, I, I'm a structure guy. And when I see things right. structured in an order, I'm like, that's it. I like that. That's my man. Nice. So, so, you know, kudos to you guys that, that, you know, at the complete sports network, you guys are, you know, complete, complete media network. Uh, you guys are doing big things over there. Now you said that you're, you know, you, you, you have a love for sports. Your, your, your love for sports dates back when, like how, how long have you been a sports nut? Uh, for, right from, you know, my earliest memories, uh, my, grandfathers were big into sports and passed that down to uh my father and uh yeah just to spend time with my dad i needed to uh know sports i needed to you know not ask dumb questions i needed to you know follow a team that type of thing and so it goes um all the way back to that uh, i remember really fondly uh playing catch with my grandfather in his backyard him teaching me how to play baseball uh, he went to a lot of my games when we lived to close together, and um, yeah, it's just been a love there. Uh, I started following teams and started getting allegiances at an early age, and I think that really uh, brings out the true sports fan, is you can follow a team and just fall in love with it and go through the ups and downs. Uh, you know, I think you become a true sports fan, and, and you know, playing as many sports as possible, uh, just loved being around the guys uh just being um able to you know have a common goal and and try to reach it and try to uh win and you know try to do our best uh was always really really big and i think sports is so crucial to have in people's lives i think it just helps so much to have a fulfilling you know full life and yeah so it's yeah it's been there from right from the beginning and it's still gonna be there till the day that i take my last breath for sure now nah, I respect that definitely, man. I, I'm I'm like that too, and I always say that you know sports is the great unifier. Like you know, yeah. you don't have to speak English, you don't have to know the person, but if you guys are rooting for the same team, you know, like the same things in regards to sports, you can be able to have that connection, that bond, and yeah. you know, it, it 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 builds so so you know, it builds character for children. It it, it gives them structure. It, it it teaches them discipline at a young age. So. You know, I'm all for sports. I love sports. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if I don't follow that that particular sport, I have a respect for that sport because oh. you know, whether you can play it or not, or you're not a fan of it, it takes hard work for that particular individual to be good at whatever they're doing. So yeah, you know, it's, it's it's really really something that 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 I always look at and I, I appreciate. So um, yeah. okay, so so you know, you grew up always always been a sports fan. With you know, your father, your grandfather taught you stuff about sports you grew up now what were your favorite sports teams growing up well i i guess when i get asked that question usually uh the yankees are the first team that comes to mind uh my my grandfather just talked about baseball and and how important it was to his life uh mickey mantle was his hero and and you hear most guys from that generation mickey mantle mickey mantle right. was the yeah. And uh, he he tell he told me just so many stories about 
uh, just loving that team and being able to see them win so many championships and such a an incredible organization. So yeah, that was my that was my baseball team always. Um, luckily, when the the Blue Jays came into Canada and we had the Expos, uh, it was great to have some Canadian teams to root for and cheer for. So. Uh, amazingly enough, I am a Jays fan and a Yankees fan. Both being in the AL East uh, is a little difficult and challenging, but uh, you know, both those teams I really love. Uh, on the National League side, I was always a Phillies fan because I have family that just lives outside of Philadelphia, and they were always big fans of the Philadelphia teams, and I got to go to Phillies games and things like that. Uh, and then... I guess football, uh, my favorite team was always the San Diego Chargers. Okay. Uh, they had uh, something called Air Coriel when I was in that uh, zone to really get into a football team. And uh, I just loved the offensive football they had. Dan Fouts was able to get tons of weapons and, you know, he would throw for 450 to 500 yards Hi. a game. And, <laughs> you know, most, most of their games they would – you know, either win or lose, 45-42, it seemed like, uh, all the time. And it was yeah. a lot of fun. No defense, but, you know, just let's try to outscore everybody. And uh, so that was my my team. I also actually really liked the New York Jets, uh, but they they lost me uh, <laughs> from a lot of, uh, a lot of poor uh, moves in the yes. front office and a lot of things that really bugged me. So uh, I think we have a bit of a common yes. bond there. Yes. Yeah. We, we both left the Jets. Absolutely. We both, <laughs> we both divorced the Jets. So we have that in common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then, okay, transitioning to basketball. You know, uh, I was actually a massive Knicks fan growing up. Uh, I actually really liked almost all New York teams. Uh, New York was a fascinating city for me, uh, being this Canadian kid uh, from small towns, typically. And I always just... Uh, gravitated to New York. I always just couldn't believe that the New York City had so many teams. It had so <laughs> many teams in each sport. And, right. uh, you know, it was just the city that never sleeps and all that kind of thing. So uh, I gravitated towards a lot of those teams. And so the Knicks were my team for many, many, many years. But they also lost me with uh, just uh, horrible uh, ownership and a lot of troubles, just the way that they treated uh, their fans and the, their former players, I just didn't really like it. So um, being a Canadian, uh, I grew up in the same neighborhood as Steve Nash. Oh, wow. And, and he went to the same schools as I did all the way up. Uh, he's my sister's age. I have a younger sister, about five years younger than me. Oh, and amazing. Yeah, and so Steve went to school with her. And I used to see Steve in the neighborhood dribbling a basketball wherever he went. He just never seemed to be without that basketball. And when he finally uh, made the NBA and, and got into the league and, and eventually became MVP uh, twice, uh, I became a massive fan of his. And so uh, everywhere he went, I would you know really root for those teams. And then when Steph Curry came in, I saw him as the sort of next reincarnation of Steve Nash. Right. And, and I just immediately became a Golden State guy. Uh, Golden State had really poor history for many, many, many years. So oh, it was yeah. hard to be hard to be a fan of theirs. But once Steph came in and they started building the pieces around him, uh, Golden State became my team. And uh, I don't miss a game. I just absolutely love watching that team assemble 
Uh, you know, they've went through some really tough injury problems the last couple seasons, but um, yeah, fingers crossed they can keep it together this year and have a run at the at the title again. Uh, it was been pretty fun to be a, a Warriors fan for the past uh, half dozen years. They've right. had tons <laughs> of success. It's been really, really great. Yeah, yeah. Now you, we have a couple of couple of issues here, Darren. We're gonna okay, have to work okay. through. All right. First of all, you're a Golden State fan. I'm a Lakers fan, so you 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 already know we're we're not gonna get along there. And <laughs> right. the other one, the other one that I am I am extremely shocked about that you are a Philadelphia Phillies fan. <laughs> that to me is like the the dagger in the heart, man. Oh no! I'm a Met fan. I'm a Met fan for life, and and. Right. Just, you know, especially what happened, you know, last night, it, 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 we, we, we don't even want to think about the Phillies right now. But, um, but, but the thing is, you know, the fact that you, you know, you're from Canada, you know, you didn't normally always have Canadian teams to root for in these big yeah. sports. So you had your pick of the litter in regards to whoever you wanted to root for, which is pretty cool, you know, especially growing up as a kid. So, you know, that, that, that would have been a great experience for me personally to be in that situation where you can just kind of appreciate everything that's in front of you and yeah. pick and choose who you like from who you don't like. You know, now granted hockey, you know, hockey, you have your, you know, it's a Canada run sport, Canadian run sport. So you, you know, you, you have your allegiance there, but you know, yeah. in the other major sports, it, it's really cool to be able to just kind of like admire certain players or certain teams and just, just kind of go from there. So the fact that you're, the fact that you're a Yankee fan, you know, you're married to the Yankees and the Blue Jays, that really doesn't shock me because of, like you said, of your grandfather and your father passing down that information, that lineage to you. So, you know, yeah. we always we always say in regards to baseball, baseball is not a sport that people just pick up, right? It's True. a sport that is passed down to you. Like yeah. somebody has to tell you how great this game is and show you how great it is and then you – you form that appreciation and that love for the game based off their love for the game. And then you pass it on to your kids or whoever you want to pass it on to. So, you know, True. that's why to Thank me, you. baseball yeah. is baseball is the only real sport that does do that. In my opinion, that yeah. it, it's, it's more like a grandfathered sport, like your grandfathered in to it yeah. and you know, whatever team or whatever player, your father, your grandfather, like this is who you admire and you kind of build from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I fully agree with that. And I think baseball is the sport that I've most have had to defend right. to say that it was great. And because everybody says it's too slow and everybody, <laughs> you know, says they're out of shape. And, you know, there's all these things about baseball that people seem to when they're not true fans right from an early age or played it, they, uh, you know, they just sort of key on these th these key right. moments and say, oh, no, that's not a sport I I can really get on, uh, you know, to be a fan of, but I, I have defended it, uh, you know, to many, many people. And I've actually turned on a lot of fans to it that never really liked it. Awesome. Was, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to explain the sport, show them you know, the great nuances of it, the, you know, the drama that's created, especially in October when, you know, it means a lot. Uh, I, I, you know, definitely have made a lot more baseball fans so you're right but it is a sport that that has been passed down to generations and you know being the national pastime i think uh you know it's just it's something that you can really appreciate if you 
go to the live events or you played the sport. I think uh, you know re you really understand how great it is. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll touch on baseball a little later. Mm. Um, now, so you said that you 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 were in the 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 market of 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 covering sports, North American sports, for like twenty years. Like how how did that come about? So did you go to school with the <laughs> the mindset of saying, this is what I want to do, or you did you kind of just fall into it? Well, uh, it's a it's a lengthy story. I'll try to uh, shorten it down and, <laughs> and keep it in the you know, Cliff's Notes version, but um, it was always just a huge passion and a love and something that I I just love sports so much. And uh, there's some, there were some very pivotal moments that really sort of pushed me towards doing that. Um, I remember, uh, I was visiting some family when I was a teenager and uh, we were watching hockey late night and the rest of the family had gone to bed. I was at my aunt and uncle's place and my uncle turned and looked at me and, and at the time I was wearing some rock shirt, long hair, I was rebellious, I, you know, I really just wasn't sure what I was doing and he didn't know either so he was like, what are you going to do with your life? And <laughs> I looked at the screen and I said, I'm going to be a sports reporter. I'm going to do the play-by-play -play for Hockey Night in Canada. And, and I'm going to take that guy's job. Awesome. And he, yeah. And he said, are you kidding me? Are you a complete <laughs> idiot? You're, you know, there's no way you can do that. Just right. get a grip. No chance. Don't be a fool. You know, I see your future being a, you know, carpenter, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. He started saying that he he got so offended that he jumped up, uh, walked out of the room, slammed the door and went to bed. Oh, and my goodness. I was really surprised, shocked and surprised by that. And uh, the next day, my aunt came in on me and they had had a conversation and she called me an idiot. And, and everybody was this. No, that's not possible in your life. And. And, you know, it was a horrible moment, to, but it was probably a bit of fuel. Right. You know, and, I'm just and not, like. And not to cut you off there, I want you to finish this story because yeah. I, I, I love that. I just wanted to kind of interject with this is that it's so funny that when you are a younger person from the other generations, right? Yeah. It, it's hard for that generation to understand yeah. what your thought processes in regards to your career or what you want to do because they're so used to this type of life okay you got to be this you got to do this you got to do that you got to yeah. they can't understand when you do something potentially quote unquote unconventional from what they understand so yeah. that was the disconnect that you experienced because you know your uncle i'm sure he loved you your aunt loved you but they just yeah. they just weren't on the same wavelength in regards to mentality like you because they just yeah. couldn't understand how somebody can actually aspire to be on tv that's not realistic that's not mm -hmm. something that can ever happen you have to be more realistic you have to be more uh uh normal to you know so to speak yeah yeah no you're right you're bang on with that and you know, I, I don't look at them, you know, with any kind right. of scorn or anything, you know, Absolutely. that was just out of the box thinking and, you know, it just wasn't, you know, something that they could compute at that time. Exactly. That exactly. It was a possibility. So uh, fast forward many, many, many years and the guy that I pointed to 
on the TV doing the play-by-play that night was the very first guy that I met when I went to my first uh, game live as a as a reporter. Wow. He, wow. I, uh, I walked up and I grabbed some food at the buffet line. I sat down at a table, empty table. I took a couple bites and all of a sudden I heard, uh, is this seat taken? And they look up and it's him. Wow. And uh, his name is Jim Robson, Hall of Fame hockey broadcaster. And I just thought it was just such a full circle moment, you know, that I said I want his job and he's the very first guy that I ever actually have a conversation with in a, in a media press box. Right, right. Now, did you did you tell him your story or did you not tell me? <laughs> not that time, but <laughs> later on once, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, I, I spent a lot of years uh, in the same circles and finally I did tell him and, and he's had that told to him by others too because he was sort of the guy. He was, right, our, right. Everybody yeah, looked up to him, yeah. Yeah, everybody looked up to him as the, you know, the, the guy that you wanted to have his job. So, uh, but I, I was, you know, I was sort of listless for many years, not sure, um, you know, sort of believed them in, in, in the back of my brain that, you know, how do I even go there? I don't right. even know what steps to take. Right. And uh, I heard about our local journalism program here in the province. I heard that it was a really good way. If you got that education, a, a lot of stations would look at you as a as an option to you know bring them bring you on. So I went there and I asked them, uh, you know, how do I get into this program? And they handed me a a book, and they just said, <laughs> uh, you have to do all these things prerequisite to get into our program. Wow. And I was like pretty shocked by how many things that they had told me to do. But I just looked at the first thing and I just started checking off the list. And I just checked off the list, checked off the list. And one of the things was go and volunteer at a radio station locally, make a, maybe a, a university college campus station and get some experience beyond being right. live. And so I walked into a station the next day. And I said, hey, I'm looking to volunteer in the sports department here. Uh, can I meet the guy? Can I, you know, see what type of options that you have here? And they said, wow, isn't that amazing timing? Our guy is sick today and we need a guy to go on the air in an hour. Oh, my uh, goodness. Can you fill in five minutes for us uh, on the day in sports? And I was like, at first, uh uh, what and then I went okay sure right. <laughs> and I was there an hour later on the radio and that just fueled the fire it was like okay wow you know I, I can do this right I can do this yeah you know I probably wasn't the, the it wasn't the best sports cast ever done but it was hey you know it, it just a little more practice and I can do this so so that was amazing. And then the guy came back from being sick and he uh, said, thanks so much for helping me out. And he said, um, hey, I'd love to get you into the press box uh, next weekend. Uh, I'll set you up with a media pass and, uh, you know, you can go and see the games and give me a report from down there. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I was there uh, suddenly just shocked in front of guys that, you know, I'd looked up to and I always appreciated their talent and skill and and it you know another fire was lit it was like wow holy cow just this quick progression and so yeah so I, I i started covering sports like that for a while and then i realized that i needed to get into that journalism school 
get that formal education, get those connections. And so I went to that school. I applied. I got accepted, and uh, yeah, I got my uh, got my papers. Uh, went through that whole program. Uh, was able to uh, start looking out at the end of my program and look at options to go into p- jobs. And Fox Sportsnet had an opening for me, so I went and worked with them, and uh, it was just a dream come true. I had already worked a little bit in the ESPN world, uh, but Fox Sportsnet was, uh, this was in the radio world, Uh, Fox Sportsnet was TV and they were covering all the local sports and it was just, it was kind of the big time around uh, Seattle area where I was and yeah, so uh, just, yeah, that was just sort of the building blocks and and getting involved in it and yeah, I've, I've got a million great stories of those 20 years and all the amazing amazing times that i had uh but it became something that i wasn't enjoying as much as i was in the early days i sort of looked at it as a job and i a chore i didn't enjoy walking into the locker room and and trying to get athletes to give me good quotes anymore it now was, was it what, what was there a reason for that did like did something happen or were you just kind of feeling burnout a little bit of both, I would say, uh, burnout for sure, because I was going, you know, out to events six, seven days a week, uh, and you know, traveling, uh, and also, um, there was a disconnect suddenly that was happening between reporters and athletes. Uh, in the early days, I actually looked at some of the athletes as as friends, as as guys that I could enjoy a meal with and, right. and beers, we could go golfing. Right. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, there started to become a divide where like, it was like, us like, against them. Yeah, like adversarial. Yeah. 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 So I didn't want. I never wanted that. Uh, you know, I never wanted to be an enemy of any athlete. I never wanted to get into fights. I, I, I became a little bitter, and I started fighting with guys. I started arguing with athletes. I started uh, really not liking them because uh, their personalities were a bit abrasive, uh, egotistical, and you know a lot of issues there. And I never wanted to uh, lose my love of sports. I never wanted to. I, I didn't really want to care what the guy was like off the court, off the field. Right. I just wanted to appreciate his performance there. You know, in the sport. So. Uh, it, I needed a change, and uh, yeah, I decided to to uh, transition to something else. Um, I became an agent for a little while, and awesome. uh, I represented some athletes. I, I tried really hard to um, get them a lot of money, you know, outside the field to play. Uh, you know, that's obviously where you can generate massive amounts of wealth, um, you know, for, for athletes. So, uh, unfortunately. When I chose to do that, uh, we had that economic downturn in the world, and right. and most companies started tightening their purse strings. They didn't want to spend money unnecessarily. Advertising was kind of the first thing to go, and so uh, most of my phone calls were, you know, call us in a year when things get back to normal. You know we can't do anything we've uh, been you know everything's frozen our budgets are are cut we don't have that money so i i didn't want to uh harm my clients on you know not being able to get them 
the things that I thought I could. And, right. you know, and so I, I hope that they could get representation and, and maybe there was more um, relationships that had been built in other areas where they could get that money. I didn't want to hold them back. So decided, yeah, time to step back from that completely and transition into something else. And uh, yeah, funny enough, I, um, yeah, just sort of fell into the movie industry and you know, that's kind of where I've been for the last few years. Nice. Now I'm a, I'm a big movie buff, man. Like I grew up, you know, I'm a, I'm 36 years old. So I was born in 85 and nice. you know, I was one of those kids that, yes, I had my Saturday morning cartoons, right. But I also yeah. had my Saturday morning HBO and nice. my mother used to call me the TV guy because everything on HBO I, I, I watched. So nice. she would tell me, Hey Jay, did you watch this movie? How was this movie? And I'd give her a synopsis of the movie that was Please. actually, yeah, I, I was always like that. So, I've cool. always had a you know a, a fascination and an appreciation for film. So nice. you know what types of film do you like, and you know what is your favorite genre in regards to that? Um, man, I I like a variety of of movies. Um, I I would say my favorite genre you know has to do with sports. Um, you know anything involved in sports, music. Um. I, I really love action movies. I love I, I love comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really would say that my taste is is quite uh, varied. Okay. But yeah, I'm but I'm still a, a big movie guy too. Uh, you know, I I just want to consume you know movies as much as possible in my free time. Um, yeah, it's something that I really appreciate. I think it, yeah, enriches my life when I see good movies and I see, you know, people put together very, very amazing productions. And, and it's been really great to see it, you know, in the process of being made, uh, you know, right from the ground up. I, I've been part of these productions and, and that was a, a really fascinating aspect of this job to, uh, you know, to see somebody puts pen to paper, writes a screenplay, and then all of a sudden hundreds and hundreds of people take that and run with it and create something. It's amazing. Right, right. Mm -hmm. no, definitely, man. Like, I, I would definitely love to see the, you know, the inner workings of how that stuff works, man. Because, I, like I said, I, I have such an appreciation for film. Nice. And you said that, you know, you love sports as a genre, other stuff. My favorite genre of film is horror. I love horror okay. movies. Oh wow! It, yeah. it, it's so I funny. It's so funny how it happened, Darren. Is that when I was a kid, I couldn't watch any horror movies. Like okay. I was completely turned off by anything that was scary, right? And Nightmare on Elm Street came out. Okay. And everybody's saying, "Hey, you know, you get, this is one of the best horror movies of all time." I was not gonna watch it. So my cousin forced me to watch it one day. And it was the worst time of my life because I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I this, I, I this is going to, if I watch this, it's going to happen. Like, Freddy is coming right. for me. Something's yeah. going to happen. I don't want to go to sleep. because yeah, I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to take a shower and pull the curtain. Not a, none of this stuff. So then I, you know, back in those days, in the 80s and stuff like that, early 90s, they would have things called movie glitches. You, you understand about movie glitches, right? Where there's... Something in the movie where they didn't really edit correctly. Yeah. And 
it was a scene where I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street and I see Freddy jump off something or he, he falls off something and I see the mattress. Oh no, really? A little bit of the mattress. Oh wow. And I'm telling you, the whole movie, I am just like terrified. But once I saw that little part, I hmm. said, this is not real. Cool. Nice. Nice. And, and, and this, this is what I'm saying. Like it, it happened because I watched so, so many movies, so, so much film that I understood how structure and things worked. And I'm like, okay, I don't think that was supposed to be there. Sure. And now nice. I'm like, okay, this is not so bad from that day on. It was nothing but a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Because I, because I was looking for more movie glitches. I was looking wow. for what would be amazing. able to entertain me and make me laugh. So there's times where, you know, my mom will come in the room and she'll hear me laughing. Right. Yeah. And she's like, oh, what are you watching? And she'll see a horror movie on. She's like, why are you laughing at this? I'm like, because this scene was funny, ma. Like this. And she was just like, yeah, I don't understand that. I was just going. Like, you know, it was just it, it, it's just funny how how things happen. But you know, I I love film, man. I I am I am such a buff. Now, you said that sports is your favorite genre, or you know, one of your favorites. What is your favorite sports movie? If you could pick one, um, um. Like probably Field of Dreams, I would okay. say, you know, something like that. Um, I think Kevin Costner has done, you know, an amazing amount of really good sports movies. And yeah. for some reason, he sort of became that go-to actor that they wanted to have in, in many of these feel-good sports movies. Um, you know, I, I love funny ones like Happy Gilmore. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was amazing. Slapshot. Yeah, yeah. Slap about the, yeah, the old, yeah, you know, really famous hockey one. Um, yeah, I, I would say, but Field of Dreams, uh, it just had a, uh, and it's such a nice feel to it, incredible book, and, you know, so much about it uh, was great, where, you know, it seemed like that would have been such a, a dream to be able to play with a guy from, you know, the past and, and get an opportunity to play catch with uh, somebody, you know, I would, I would, I would give anything to play catch with my grandpa again. Right, right. You know, so, you know, that that had such an element in that movie. And, yeah, so I would say Field of Dreams and uh, many, many, many others. I got a huge list, but, you know, those are the few that come to mind. No, nah, definitely, definitely. I respect that. My my favorite one, if I could pick one, is North Dallas 40. Oh, okay, wow. This, nice. is, this is how you know I am a movie buff because this movie right. came out way before my so, time. Right? So long ago, so, right? So like, you know, that it's just, you know, I just love that movie. I love Remember the Titans. Uh, there's so yeah. many different movies that are really, really good that tell great stories. So I'm with you with the sports movies. Like when, when they tell a sports movie right, when they do it correctly, yeah. it's one of the best movies you can, you can be able to watch. The storytelling, the character arcs, the stories in there you know the everything just in in in, in totality of the film I, I i really do like that so i'm with yeah. you with that definitely with you with that yeah okay. so uh, yeah 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 well uh just before we move on i i i want to mention something quickly um i was uh i had to go to get a covid test to start a new new uh production okay this past week and yeah while I was standing there, uh, a mother and her very young daughter were about to get the COVID test. And 
And I'm not sure if both the, the mother and the daughter were going to be in the production. Uh, I feel like maybe it was just the, the mother. And, okay. and uh, she, she was talking to another actress at the same time. And, right. and the other actress said, do you know much about this production? Do you know, um, you know what, what it's all about? And she said, yeah, I was in the previous production that this team put together and it's very dark. A lot of uh, murders, a lot of uh, you know, really heavy, dark moments. And she yeah. said, she said, "Hang on a second. And she put her hands over the girl's ears, her daughter's ears, and said, "The last show, I was murdered with an axe in the head." <laughs> and, and, and then she took the uh, earmuffs off, and and uh, the girl, the little daughter, said, "I heard what you said." And then, <laughs> and then she said, "You know that it's not real, though, right?" And she said, "Yeah, mommy, I know that." And she said, "Good, because none of this is real. It's just all make believe and fun for entertainment." And when you, you know, said that, that's when you know it shifted for you. Yeah. When you realize it wasn't real, that you know it was good. So it was a, sort of a moment where I thought, "Yeah, that was smart of her to." say that to her daughter so that immediately if her daughter saw that scene the next time she's getting killed you know she's like oh okay that was just mom playing make-believe fun and yeah so you know i think a lot of people uh it takes a few years to you know realize yeah this is just fun make-believe it's just for entertainment it's not not real and and i had moments like that too in the horror genre i remember uh, being really afraid in some of the movies, I I remember a, a scene where a guy was laying on his bed, and he all of a sudden an arm reached out from under the bed and grabbed him and held him down, and an arrow came out the back of his neck through his neck and oh and, my God. <laughs> and and as a kid, I couldn't lay on my back in my bed for uh, like a, quite a while. I was right. like, yeah, holy cow, I'm pretty scared here. And, and there was definitely moments that yeah, you know, I can yeah. remember back in the horror genre. But luckily, yeah, at some point you uh, realize it's not happening to you and right. uh, you just appreciate it for, you know, the, the, the thrill it's giving you while you're watching it. Absolutely, man. Listen, I... I... I believe that movies weren't real before I gave up my Santa Claus wasn't real. So that's that's kind of how backwards I was. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, no, 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 movies are not real, but Santa Claus, yes, it is. Yes, yes. I remember nice. that. Like, you know what I mean? So definitely, man. Well, that's a young age. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's the it's the beauty about being a kid, man. You know, kids are just so innocent and, and you know, it, you you experience so much joy and the world is just this this new thing to you so you know it's 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 always fun when i hear like little kids talk because some of them sound so old and some of them are just like really really funny so it's amazing man i I, you know kids are great but um so so you being in the in the film world now it kind of you know gave you i guess it made you miss sports it made you miss what you what you did for 20 plus years of your life and so what what kind of sparked you to you know start the sports podcast like what how did that come about like there had to be a moment where you woke up and you were just like okay this is it like this is it yeah 
Well, it was always hard to find the time to put in to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I saw the, I saw this podcast world as something that intrigued me. I like watching podcasts, listening to podcasts. Uh, you know, they, they really uh, can be so much more in depth with the conversation yes. than, uh, you know, watching TV and, and just seeing highlight shows and, and little things like this. These podcasts um, can really just uh, just be so freeing. You know, you're, you're just able to talk to anybody about anything at any time. So uh, it was something that it started intriguing me. And then COVID came and uh, the film industry completely shut down. No productions were allowed to be in operation. And uh, I had been recovering from a car accident. I was uh, injured in a car accident. Oh, wow. And I had been not working for a while and doing some rehabilitation, trying to get better. And uh, I finally said, well, uh, the rehabilitation uh, forced me to go home. The film industry has forced me home too. Uh, maybe uh, this is something that I should do. So I started talking more to some friends and people that, um, you know, that I was close with and said, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in doing this. And, and uh, I hadn't spent many much time figuring out how to and, you know, where to start and how to, how to get involved in it. But luckily I had done a few Zoom calls uh for the rehabilitation program so i had set up an account and i had done a few of these types of things and and so i thought okay well that's sort of the first step i guess and and uh yeah so i, I jumped into it also uh i was uh i was kind of unsure of you know some aspects of it and i just needed that last push and i got a um i got uh a message from a a former UFC fighter who was told that I was uh, a little hesitant to get doing a podcast and I was unsure of uh, the last few steps to take and he sent me a message and he said you know hey man just do it you know just get at it and do it uh, he said you know what's the worst thing that can happen right. and and uh, he said you know, you could fail miserably, but that's not the worst thing that could happen. True. The worst thing that could happen is if you don't do it and years later, you, you know, regret, regret. it. Yep. Yeah. And, and regret yeah. is the worst thing. Yeah. So, you know, it was super nice to get that message. And that just gave me that last kick, that last push to just say, yeah, he's right. Uh, you know, this, this might not go, uh, you know, according to long-term goals and plans, but I just want to do it. And I'm so glad I have, because it's been just an incredible year, so much fun, so many days that I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to get at it like I did today. You know, just really, really excited to keep doing this. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, it's, it's, it's once you get started, you know, then you start to get this groove right you start to you start to really understand what you're doing how yeah. you want to sound how you want to structure your show or how however you want to go about it like you get your groove and it's the, it's the same thing with me i remember you know i always tell people like my first episode was awful because what happened with me is that you know i went to the connecticut school of broadcasting and and uh shouts to my friend mike guido uh, i met him there and 
you know, he had already been on on like, you know, Internet radio and stuff like that and really had a polished sound. And he used to write out his shows. Okay. So if you hear him, you would never think that he's actually reading it. Wow. Good for him. So wow. he answered so because, you know, he has a background in, in journalism and, and, and writing and stuff like that. So he's very good at that. So he knows how to, you know, make it seem like he's not reading. I don't have that skill. Right. <laughs> so right. what I yeah. did was I tried to be my friend, Mike Guido. Right. Because um, he was like, hey, man, you know, just, you know, write out your show. See how that goes. So I said, OK. So I wrote out the whole show. And I have my phone here on my little tripod, right? And I'm getting ready to record and I'm recording and I'm reading it like I've never, I don't, I like, like somebody just gave me a script and okay. I've never seen anything on this paper ever. I and see. it just sounded like, eh, 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 uh, but they, eh. so I, I listened to the, I listened to, you know, I gave it to my friends and stuff and, you know, my friends are supportive. Hey man, you know, that's good. That's good. Blah, blah, blah. But I had this one friend and shouts to him, uh, my man, Peter Bishop. He says to me, yeah, I mean, it's okay, but you need to stop reading them. <laughs> like, just, just don't read. Like, just do, just be you. Like, just you know, like, yeah, just be you. No. So, so I said to myself, you know what? I have to be me because I, you know, I, I, I always had a, a, a pretty decent knowledge in regards to sports in my head. Um, so the next one, I, I just I didn't write anything. I just had some nice. bullet points and the show and everybody was like, hey, did you read this one? I said, no, I didn't read that one. They were like, OK, because I can definitely tell. Cool. So, you know, from that time, it's just like, you know, certain things work for certain people. Certain True. things don't work for you. You just have to figure it out. And it's all about experimenting and learning and growing. And that's the thing about podcasting that a lot of people need to take away from this. If you're listening Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to experiment with things just because, you know, somebody might say, hey, that's not a good idea. Try it because yeah. you never know if you can be good at that or if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can be able to scrap it and move on. But yeah. you should always be willing to experiment with new segments, new sounds, new di just different things to kind of see what your range is and wh what your limitations are. You know, it's okay. Yeah. We have, everybody has limitations. Everybody can't be well-rounded and well-versed in everything. You have True. to, you have to experiment, uh, experience that ex and experiment with things. Very good point, man. Very good point. And it's nice when, you know, we can have a conversation and, you know, if things come out where, yeah, we can help the, the people out there that are, sort of in, you know, our shoes about a year and a half ago, you know, and they're, they're thinking of doing this because, yeah, it's just, I think it's so rewarding. And I, I, I'm very interested in people. I just love meeting new people and I love hearing their life story and I love digging into what they were thinking at this moment in their life. I, I'm very curious and I think um, that just fuels me and drives me. It, it, it really was one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a sports reporter because I wanted to have that unlimited or that unprecedented access that all right. the fans aren't getting that I can be in front of Michael Jordan 10 minutes after he just scored that winning basket and ask him, how did it feel? And try to give that back to all the fans so they kind of can know what it feels like. And that's where I wanted to be. So I want to do the same for people that want to get into this genre and 
and this avenue of, of uh, a new media that's you know just it's very new really relatively new in the world so you know it's something that people are discovering on a daily basis and starting and and it, and it just enriches your life meeting great people that have interesting life stories right no definitely man you know i think in the next five or ten years i think most of these major companies they're all going to be kind of like transitioning into hiring people to just do it from their house like they're yeah. not going to be like if you yeah. work for espn you don't have to go to bristol anymore you, you you can just be in your house doing yeah. whatever you do like set up your production here like that's just where i feel like the the uh the the genre is going the field is going so yeah. you know the yeah. more people that can be able to create their own content you know it's the better because you're able to kind of you know be your own boss and kind of learn how to do things without a big production behind you. Learn yeah. how to structure your show. Learn how to reach out to people and not have that fear of rejection because that's also a thing. Like, you know, I, I remember when I got my first guest, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, how did I do this? And then I said to myself, I said, that's not the right mindset to have. Right. How did I do this? Why not you? Why not me? Like, why Why can't I go get the big fish? Why can't I go interview whoever I want to interview? Because the, the the worst that they can tell me is no. So, you know, it, it's like, you know, and everybody, it's always funny. It's the it's the knee-jerk reaction. Like, you know, I'll, I'll have, you know, I had Jerry Blevins, the ex-Met uh, pitcher on my show. I've had so many big-time athletes on my show. And the knee-jerk reaction that people always ask me is, how did you get that? How did you get him? And I, and I always respond the same way, hard work. Nice. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like, it, it, I know what they mean. They don't mean like, how are you personally getting that? It's just like, oh my goodness, I've seen this person on TV. Like, you know, how did you pull that off? It, it's, it's like this, this, this. Like they can't believe it. And yeah, that's yeah. what we have to kind of like get over. Like we are, they are people just like we are and we can be able to reach out to them. And you know, these people are very nice people. They're very sociable and they'll, they'll respond to you if they have time and, and, and mm -hmm. they're willing to, to come on your platform for a few, you know, I, I always appreciate it, man. So, you know, mm -hmm. that, it's, it, that's the part that, you know, I agree with you in regards to that, that connection, that unprecedented, you know, access to, certain people that the average Joe doesn't have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I, 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 me and my mom always have this joke because she loves to watch ABC seven. Okay. You know, the news station. And okay. there's a, uh, there's a sports guy on the, on the show. His name is Ryan field works okay. for ABC news, New York. And I interviewed him on my show. Cool. So every time my mother sees him, she's like, isn't that the guy that you interviewed on your show? Like, she's like, you know, she's so proud. You know what I mean? And other people, they, they say the same thing. It's like, man, you know, you know, where you were a year and a half ago, I would have never thought that, not saying I would have never thought, but, you know, look at all the people that you've talked to. You've, yeah. you've, you've had conversations with. You continue to have conversations with. It, it's, it's amazing. So, you know, it, it's, that's what it's done for me in regards to just, like, open up this world that I never – like I always wanted to be in, but I never really thought possible because sometimes life gets in the way and you just don't know if you can be able to get to that certain point and have that dream 
you know, come to fruition. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a great journey for me and um, yeah, I love it. I, just like how you said, you know, you, you put it well, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head in regards to just like, you know, this experience that, that you, you just love what you do. You know what I mean? I, and I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, no, it's really nice. Uh, I, I really gravitate towards people that uh, find their passion in life and find it a way to make them make, uh, you know, a living. Uh, they, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's too many people in life that are going to jobs that they don't like. And, you know, they have to, trudge through life doing something they don't really want to do because they're in a situation where they need the money and they don't know the options to get them out of that situation and I've I've never wanted that I've left uh, I've tried many different careers and I've left them all when I've really felt like it was a job right. oh no I don't want to go there today soon as I start feeling that I need to make a transition and get yep. to something where I wake up and I'm looking forward to doing that today, not not dreading it. So uh, we only have one life as far as I know, and you only live once. And and so, you know, I've always wanted to wake up in the morning excited about life. Of course, I haven't had that every day of my life, but for the most part, you know, I have. And, and this is just another extension to that. And who knows where this will lead? But, you know, you got to take the first steps to, you know, start on a journey and the path will be a little windy. Right. And eventually, yeah, you know, I will have uh, somebody sitting in the chair opposite me that I've always admired, looked up to and really curious to find out some interesting facts about their life and and, you know, make friends as well. Uh, You know, I want to I'm a social person and I want to have the ability to have friends around the world. Uh, I, I, I've been able to make friends in this city. It's very multicultural and I've made friends with people uh, from countries all around the world and been able to go and visit them, you know, in their country and they can show me around. And it's uh, another aspect of it that I, you know, really, really appreciate. Yeah, no, definitely. That that's that's another thing about this, that you meet so many really, really nice people and, and yeah. people that just kind of like, share the same you know goals and 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 aspirations that you have man it's really cool like i've 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 met a podcast community of people that that were really close we we've we've become great friends like you know you 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 in that that particular network as well you know you know me and you are you know we speak uh frequently so you know it's 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 always cool to um to 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 experience that and to to meet new people and 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 do that man it's a it's such a it's such a rewarding um such a rewarding thing in, in my opinion i i don't think that there's anything other than like physically playing because i remember like when i was playing sports i used to get that feeling of like just locking in and i yeah. never used to hear crowds like yeah. any big game that i played any you know cyo tournament or whatever it is like as soon as i got on the court to play basketball i heard nothing Cool. Heard nothing but the basketball. And, you know, that's kind of like how I am now. Like when I'm doing my my shows, I only hear my voice. Great. I like it's like I get this tunnel vision where I'm just like focused on what I have to do. You know, what I mean, it's that's when I know that I'm doing something that I'm really, really like locked into. That's great. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I. 
I, I loved uh, playing sports so much. And, you know, this these past couple of weeks with these free agency frenzies, I was like, damn, I should have practiced more. Damn, I should have been playing more. I should have spent more money yeah, on, you know, like LeBron says, he spends a million dollars on his body with all the people. You know, I should have been spending every single allowance, paycheck, everything. Because, uh, you know, the money that has been handed out in the, the past little while is just incredible and yeah. i would love to be able to cash some of those paychecks so uh you know it's hilarious to to see how much it just gets pushed further and further and further every year and now i don't know why but this off season it's just been incredibly shocking billions and billions of dollars are being handed out to these athletes and I really wish I could have pushed myself a little bit harder, a little bit further. You know, I wish I was Steve Nash dribbling that basketball right. everywhere I went, you know, sleeping with it probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. But now I get to, you know, talk about it and, you know, be amazed at the incredible uh, abilities that these guys have and that what people are willing to pay them to demonstrate and play their sports. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. Absolutely. And that's a great segue into the NBA free agency there. So let's <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about that. Do because, it. So, yeah. you know, what were your takeaways from the NBA free agency? Because, you know, there's a couple of teams that stand out to me. I, I want to know what you took away from it and then we can be able to kind of, you know, have a conversation about it. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, uh, man, it's just uh, there's a lot to wrap your head around, but. Uh, I think, you know, the most, probably the biggest move that I, you know, comes to mind when I think about it all is Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. And uh, the strangeness of that move in the early thought process, like, why would they be targeting him? I just, it didn't, you know, it didn't compute and make sense. I just didn't see that big three as, you know, the greatest move. And, and the Lakers... You know, I only really think they didn't go as far as they wanted to go because of injury troubles. Correct. It wasn't. It wasn't a roster makeup problem. It was just AD and LeBron weren't, you know, healthy, and they right. just didn't have that ability to stay on the court. You said the the best ability is availability, and they weren't available. So I didn't think they had to blow up this roster. I didn't. I didn't think that that was a necessary thing, and especially. Bringing in Westbrook, who, you know, has had challenges with other teammates. And, you know, he's a special, incredible athlete, incredible player that's, you know, uh, uh, once in a generation type of guy. But uh, you have to have the right fit in my mind, you know, and I just didn't see that fit. Uh, I'm going to call the Lakers the Los Angeles geriatrics this year because <laughs> I can't believe all the, you know, veteran minimum had to bring in. And, oh, my God, like it's come on, 35, 38 and over. Don't do my team like that, man. Come on. <laughs> nah, but listen, I, I, I will tell you, I, I made – it's so funny because I had it on my last show that I said that I'm a bit of a jinx bit of a jinx because okay. I put out a YouTube uh, short video about me not wanting Russell Westbrook on the Lakers. <laughs> I see. Because, yeah. You know, he wasn't a good fit. You know, right. his, his game, it takes, you have to completely change the way you play basketball yeah. as a team to be able to fit him in. 
Yeah. And sure it's, and it's a, it's a, it's an adjustment period. It really takes a long time to do. And I was very against it. Then the trade happens and I'm just like, I, I've had enough. I, I don't like this. I don't like this move. Then I was like, you know what? LeBron James has always been, I've always called him the point guard whisperer. Like yeah. no matter what point guard he plays with, that point guard elevates his game. You're right. You, know, yeah. you, can, you can go yeah. ahead and look in the history. Eric Snow, uh, um, Mario Chalmers in Miami, uh, Mo, Mo Williams. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving. Obviously, Kyrie's a great player, but, you know, playing with LeBron, he went to another level. Elevated. So, yeah. yeah, so like, you know, you he if there's anybody that can be able to get Russell Westbrook to buy in mm. what the culture is in L.A., the winning culture. You have to sacrifice. You got to understand that how you play the game maybe is not the ideal way of, of actually winning. It's not conducive to winning. So sure. if you dial it back and kind of trust the other two guys that we have here, maybe it can work. So that was my first thought process. The other okay. thought process was I have to see how they fill out the roster. And, you know, they got shooting. Now, the Lakers were the number one defensive team in all the NBA last year. Yeah. Problem with them last season, though, was they would go on long stretches where they could not score the basketball. No, exactly. They were one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA, but one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. We saw even in the Phoenix series, even when Anthony Davis went down, they, like, you know, LeBron is banged up, Anthony Davis is hurt, but nobody else stepped up. Why? Because they did not have enough firepower. So just, you know, going back to your point, saying that you don't believe that they needed to, to, to shake up the roster, I don't really agree with that. I believe that this, this roster needed to be shaken up a little bit. Like, I, you know, Kyle Kuzma, I believe that his time was up. Uh, I wanted to. Oh, it, it was yeah. up years ago. I oh, 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 yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I actually had a, uh, <laughs> I, I had a uh, bye bye Kyle Kuzma segment <laughs> on my show. It's really, really funny. I'll send nice. it to you so you can hear it. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, but yeah, and no, I agree. Like you know, there's certain parts that worked in the in the bubble season that didn't work this season. You know, I I understood what Rob Palenka was trying to do. He was trying to make the team a little bit more. Swiss Army, like versatile. You can be big and small and play different lineups. Okay. And I understood the concept. I understood bringing in Gasol because he's a great passer out the post. He can hit three, but he's slow. So, yeah. you know, there's no, you know, the shot blocking ability that we had last season is not there. Dwight's gone. JaVale's gone. Now you have uh, Gasol. Now you have um, uh, Harold. You don't have that type of team. It's more of a finesse team this season. I understood the concept. It didn't work. Now it's time to kind of go back to having rim protection. And what I love that they did was, although these guys are long in the tooth, like you say, and I agree with you, they're definitely old. But the one thing that you can't teach is experience. The other thing that you can't teach is chemistry. Certain guys, when they're young, because what we saw with this Laker team, and I'll I'll give you this point, you'll, you'll kind of understand where I'm coming from, Darren, is that they brought in guys that had something to prove mm. like Montrez Harrell, you know, he was a six man of the year, didn't get a big offer in the off season. He took the offer from the Lakers. He's looking to get another big deal, right? Sure. Dennis Schroeder, you bring in that kid. 
He always looks looks at himself as a starter in the NBA. I don't want to be a bench guy. I don't want to be a bench guy. I'm a starting point guard. To the point where where they traded for him, he publicly said that I am going to be the starting point guard on this team. Well, they won a championship with LeBron James point playing point guard. So why would you be the point guard for this team when they don't need you to be the starting point guard? That was their first mistake. So you have that team that you have a lot of things like you know you have a lot of egos with these guys or you know certain certain things that they want to achieve personally. With this new team, you have veterans that know their role, that understand their role, that have accepted their role, and understand that when their number is called, whenever that is, they will be ready. So chemistry wise, and what their role is already defined to be is what the difference is between last year's Lakers and this Laker team coming up. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with the chemistry being so crucial. And we saw that with Milwaukee and Phoenix, uh, they seem to both have incredible chemistry this year and we're able to both be in the final Milwaukee winning it. And they seem to just get along better than most teams I've ever witnessed. So it was crucial. Uh, I do worry about the Lakers, just injury woes. Um, This is a young man's game. Uh, You know, you've got all these veteran players, and if they're not playing a ton of minutes, are they going to come in, be a little cold, not used to the rigors of the schedule? And, you know, this is going to be, yeah, tough uh, to, you know, when you look down the bench and it's, you know, no young legs uh, coming in, it's, you know, it's, it can be a little difficult. Um, you know, let's hope they can keep healthy because it is great when that team is all healthy. They're, you know, fun to watch and, and they, they definitely, you know, should have title aspirations. I, I hope the chemistry is okay with um, those big three and then, you know, a lot of these pieces that are coming in. Uh, I always I always actually hoped that Melo and LeBron would right. play together, you know, right. coming into the league at the same time. And uh, there was even talk back then that maybe we should pick Melo over LeBron. Uh, amazingly no, no. enough, <laughs> amazingly enough, there was some pundits that said that uh, right. guys that, uh, had suggested he was better. I remember. Uh, even, <laughs> yeah. Even coming out of the draft, you know, they yeah. were saying that, yeah, Carmelo was the national champion. He led Syracuse to the national championship. He's the better player than, than, than LeBron is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you've got Ariza, you've got, you know, just a lot of um, older guys, Ellington's uh, 33 and you got quite a few guys that are along uh, in the tooth. Um, I'm just hoping, yeah, that they can fill up the roster with some, Young legs, uh, I, I, I don't see, it's going to be sort of two camps, young guys and, and old veterans, and I don't know if that chemistry can work, but, you know, we will see. Uh, you know, winning sort of helps everything, so, you know, if they can stay healthy and they can win and they can figure out how to keep Russell in there. I, I know that AD has always complained about playing center and he doesn't want to play that, uh, so... We'll see if, uh, you know, they can have somebody, you know, take those minutes and and be in there for that. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the Lakers are probably the biggest conversation we always have about uh, basketball going in the last, you know, since LeBron has been there. Uh, Definitely, you know, something that we we look at heavily. Uh, There's a lot of um, strange moves that were made. Uh, Chicago seems to, uh, you know, have been 
really trying to get back to that upper echelon. Uh, DeMar yeah, what, DeRozan. What, what, yeah, what did you think of their moves? You know, they brought in Lonzo Ball. They brought yeah. in DeMar DeRozan. You know, what, what were your yeah. thoughts on, on those two moves? Well, I think the move for Lonzo was brilliant. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. why New Orleans did what they did. Uh, it, it seems it's, like... It's the, it's the Pelicans, Darren. It, it, that, that's why. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, I thought he had good chemistry with Zion there. And I, I, I you know, I thought they could... Uh, grow together and be a, a solid force for a while. Um, yeah, but they made a very strange move there, and I think it was a brilliant move by Chicago. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, you know, I, I watched him very closely in his whole entire Raptors career, and, you know, there were some limitations there in Toronto that, uh, you know, were glaring to a lot of people. Uh, he went to San Antonio and and became a lot more well-rounded under Pop. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think um, he does bring a lot to an organization. Uh, he knows how to get to the free throw line a lot. He knows now how to dish the ball off when they're you know coming at him, and he doesn't have an open look. So you know, I think it's uh, it's good for them. I, I I see them being a playoff team and being able to you know be closer to the upper top of the east uh, you know there's still going to be those those top teams in the east brooklyn milwaukee philly uh that we're you know we're going to hear about i think the knicks made some good moves um i think uh you know they finally were relevant last year right and uh you know i think that they've uh you know been able to bring in some guys that will help them and i i think you know we can see them uh, playing some exciting basketball again. and um, But, yeah, I'd say, you know, those are the things that jump out at me. Chicago, I, I think, will, you know, finally seems to be putting some together there pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of Chicago, but I, I do agree that the Lonzo Ball move was – was that was gold. You know, that that's something that you needed to do. Um, you have enough scoring there with Vukovic and, and, and Levine. You have Kobe White now coming off the bench for Lonzo, so that works. Or you can be able to play them in the backcourt together. So, yeah. you know, they have a lot of versatility that they can be able to do. Um, you know, you bring in DeRozan. He, he has that experience. DeRozan can't shoot the three, but he can play make. So that's one of the things where I want to see how it works. So are they going to let him handle the ball? Are they going to have Levine play off ball? Like, we'll see how they can kind of, like, put that together. Billy Donovan really has his – his uh his work cut out for him because I I need to see how this is going to work, That's how it's going to gel, but they do yeah. have talent. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where they finish in the East. I, I think that they can be able to, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put them, you know, where the Hawks are four or five. I, I think they could be able to compete by like, you know, seven, six, seven, and eight is yeah. where I find them because you still have some decent teams in the Eastern conference that are not, you know, they're not ready to give up their spots yet. So, um, I like them. I like what they did. But I also am very, very intrigued by the Miami Heat. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, he leaves Toronto. You know, obviously, you know, that's going to be the the, the Vince Vince Carter has his journey to retire with you guys, right? With with the Raptors. Yes. uh, Yeah. I I was hearing something uh, just sort of – I was in the other room and I heard something and they said, we're going to retire Lowry's – Right. Uh, Jersey, and they said that might be the first. And then I thought, no, I think Vince has his it already. So 
Maybe they um, haven't. Maybe they haven't done it yet. Because maybe they haven't officially done it yet. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So Lowry might be the first. They were actually saying Lowry's probably getting a statue out front. He should. He should. Yeah. I think. I think Lowry should get a statue. A statue. I think. I think what Vince did for Canadian basketball. I no. think. I think he should get no. a statue, and yeah. not for nothing as well. I think Demar Derozan deserves yeah. not a statue. If you don't want to give him a statue, fine. But he deserves to have his jersey retired with the Raptors because he put in some really good years. There was was some good teams with Toronto that they just they couldn't beat LeBron James. It wasn't the fact that they weren't good. If LeBron wasn't there, you probably would have had the Raptors in the finals before. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had they had some good runs there. So, you know, I hope that Lowry's going to get his due. But I also hope that DeRozan does get his due as well. You know, hopefully him and Masai Ujiri can be able to mend the fence. In regards to, I, I believe that they they are getting there because he was on a podcast um, recently that you know he said that you know he understands that it was business, but he yeah. was he was very upset about it. You know he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. So hopefully sure. that they they can be able to repair that relationship to the point where you know he can be able to have his jersey retired. But you know yeah. going back to Miami, yeah, very interesting roster uh, that you would bring in Kyle Lowry, you would give him that type of contract. They extended. They extended Jimmy Butler. They gave him four years, $184 million. They gave – this was the one that that really I wasn't really too fond of. Duncan Robinson gets five years at $90 million. Lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was I, – I, I, Darren, make it make sense to me because yeah. I understand that in the NBA, uh, perimeter shooting, three-point shooting is at a premium. Mm. But – are we talking about this type of premium? Mm. He's not a yeah. player. He can't. He doesn't dribble. He doesn't pass. Can't play defense. Ninety million. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that they they're just throwing money out just to throw money out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I can't see that ever being uh, something that we look at years into the future as a value deal. Oh right. wow, that was great. No, it's not. But. Uh, they wanted to keep that core together that did so well in the bubble yeah. and went so far. Uh, had a step back this past year, but um, yeah, I understand that you know, especially a guy that they groomed and brought in, and you know, uh, you know, wanted to uh, you know keep him as a highly touted prospect and a guy that could you know well uh, round out this roster. But yeah, I mean that money's ridiculous, and you know we won't be able to ever justify that salary no that's true but but lowry going there um you know i think that uh really 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 helps um there was rumors that he was going to go there before the tra- trade yes. deadline before the playoffs and and i always saw that as a really smart move i, I was disappointed in miami that they didn't pull off that move because i think they could have went quite far in the playoffs yeah they, they didn't mm-hmm. want to give up tyler hero that's what they didn't want to do yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, but but Lowry, uh, you know, he he was the savior in Toronto. Um, they went through the lean years after Bosch left, and you know, Masai Ujiri was able to come in and you know have a game plan, and they were able to win fifty games right. year after year. And you know, they came against LeBron, like you say. Uh, I saw there's a there's a big sign in Toronto in Nathan Phillips Square, the main area of the city. And uh, there's a big Toronto lit up sign, and I saw it change to Lebronto after <laughs> after that third time getting knocked out by him in a row. Uh, 
they people were very frustrated and needed something to change and yeah. and luckily Ujiri was able to see that Kawhi wasn't happy in San Antonio and was able to you know bring him no, over no, and, and, he, and he had no fear he he, they, yeah. he said listen if you don't resign fine but we're going to focus on this year yeah which was which was brilliant because uh basketball surpassed hockey for the first time in history as wow. the most popular sport in the spring early summer uh suddenly people i know that never watched basketball before were talking to me about the raptors were watching the games i saw more raptors jerseys around this country than i had ever seen before and it was ujiri being able to make that move and a lot of key moves bringing in veteran guys that were able to assemble a a close-knit roster that that went all the way and won that championship and it it was really super valuable for for that franchise, for that organization, but for basketball across this nation. And and you mentioned it earlier when I was talking about being a Canadian and, you know, being a fan of sports and of teams and other sports. And uh, luckily, the whole entire nation was uh, behind the Raptors when, when they went far and when they uh, started winning and going on that streak yep. and that's never going to happen in the U.S. Not, right. you know, there's not one team other than your national team uh, that just won the gold in the Olympics. Not one team in the NBA is the whole nation going to get behind. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. so it was really great to see and uh, all of our Canadian teams in the NHL that year were out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Raptors became that team and right. And I would go to the bars and they were full of people and everybody was cheering on the Raptors and it was unprecedented. And years before I would go into a bar during the uh, playoffs and it was always hockey and basketball right. and there was there was 90 TVs on hockey and I would have to get one little TV in the corner to watch <laughs> basketball. And it was always very frustrating and nice to see that the Raptors were finally able to push over that hump get that championship, get that credibility and and become a franchise that, you know, is respected and and, you know, beloved by the country as well as a lot of respect, you know, down south uh, where you are. A lot of teams are suddenly, OK, we do have to look at the Raptors as a as a viable championship contender. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, it was one of those teams where, you know, I, I didn't I didn't hate, you know, I was always a a, a you know, big fan of, of Lowry's game. I loved his game. DeRozan loved his game as well. Uh, wasn't a big fan of Kawhi, but I understand the business of it. That that that. But what you're saying, like the the whole country just kind of just like galvanized around this team, and it was just it was just so amazing to watch that. You know what I mean? And and you kind of like you got you got caught up in that, and especially because they took down the Golden State Warriors. You know, although the Golden State Warriors were banged up, it's still the allure of the of the big the big machine right so you know the little the little toronto team takes down the big machine and you know the 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 city of toronto canada you know the country of canada will always have that year to celebrate they'll always be able to look back at that at that year that they had because it was a real special year for for raptors basketball man so definitely definitely a great time to to actually witness that and to see you know all the the uh 
the 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 celebration and the adulation and, and all the excitement that people have for that Raptors team. Definitely. It was it was fantastic and it's just nice to see, you know, there was celebrations. We we saw the Deer District right there in Milwaukee and you know that last game they said they had 65,000 fans down there and 20,000 inside the arena and uh, but there was there were celebrations across this country right. all over, you know, main squares, main downtowns of all these places and uh, you mentioned Vince Carter a while ago, and and that really jump started Canada basketball. Yep. We we don't see all the Canadians in the NBA, in my opinion, right now without Vince Carter. Absolutely not. Absolutely. And, not. and now because the Raptors won, 10, 15 years from now, we're gonna see the fruits of that labor. Absolutely. We're gonna see all these Canadian players having an opportunity to get into the NBA and. And uh, yeah, it, it helped Canada basketball. It helped so many, you know, kids that weren't into skating, didn't want to play hockey. Right. You know, growing up in a hockey's an expensive sport. Uh, you know, you're growing up in a house that doesn't have the money to put you into hockey. This gave you an option. Hey, there is a professional option. Uh, I can make the NBA because I've seen it happen. And, and, you know, to see the, the basketball courts everywhere in Canada filled up because of the Raptors doing well. Uh, it, it warmed my heart. It made me feel really, really happy and proud. Uh, unfortunately, they beat my Warriors, so, you know, I had that still uh, feeling. Right, right. But, but long picture, you know, I, I'm super excited and happy for the Raptors to get that championship. And Lowry being such a huge piece. Uh, there's been so many adulations and great stories on him and his career coming on to our local TV lately. And, you know, he said, I'm going to be in tears when I go back to Toronto. So I'm not looking forward to that part of it. Uh, Cause they're going to give me a tribute video, I'm sure. And all that kind of stuff. But, but he means a, a so much to this, this country, this nation and for the Raptors organization, you know, he was able to come in and, and, you know, him and DeRozan had a real, real tight relationship. Yeah. And DeRozan coming from Compton, I think he was like, what the hell am I doing here right. in Toronto? Like, well, oh, he, said, he, he said on the podcast that he was recently on that that was the best thing for him. You know, nice. coming, you know, being a kid, played at USC in the environment that he grew up in, going to a brand new country was cool. the experience that he needed because it had he stayed home had he got drafted by the Lakers or had he signed with the Lakers when he had the opportunity to do that he probably wasn't ready for that like right. Toronto Canada you know it made him it made him grow up it made him realize that there's different things to be able to appreciate around this world around this country and you know now he's a more well-rounded adult so you know it, it it definitely it definitely is what he needed and sometimes we don't see it until we get older that certain yeah. things that happened to us, it was it, it needed to happen. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always wish that here on the West Coast when we had the Grizzlies, uh, most times when a guy heard he was going to the Grizzlies, he immediately went to the bar and drank himself into a stupor because he was so depressed that he didn't want to go to Canada. Oh, like, to Steve, like, like, Steve, like Steve Francis in 99? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had... A lot of guys not appreciate this country, not appreciate this opportunity, being in the NBA, playing here. Um, and, you know, it was really frustrating and tough for us that loved it here and, and saw that 
yeah, it's probably a really good opportunity for you to come to a place where you're away from your friends and family that are pulling on you all the time. You can come here, fall in love with the community, the community will fall in love with you, and you can mature to the point where, yeah, maybe eventually you pick and choose a team that you, you, know, you play with some former teammates from college or back to your hometown or something. But, but coming here, I think, would have been so valuable for so many of those guys to mature and get to the point where they could have long, long, great careers. Well, yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, I think there's two moves to me that shifted the direction of your organization. Bringing in Masai Ujiri coming from Denver, that yeah. was very important for you guys because awesome. he then laid the groundwork for bringing in, um, forgive me, what was the coach before Nick Nurse? He, he's coaching in uh, Detroit now. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was a really, really good coach. And knowing that Dwayne Casey, although he's a good coach, although they've gotten to a certain point with him, it's time to get a new voice in there. And Nick Nurse, bringing in Nick Nurse, not going outside of the organization, but promoting within, you know, mm -hmm. a lateral move, just moving a guy over the, the, you know, another seat to give him that role. That was really important for that team to see a guy yeah. that was ready, ready to be a head coach, yeah. ready to be a head coach for this particular team for this experienced team, and it, it, it all came together. Nick Nurse is a really good coach, really good coach. Uh, he sure is. Uh, I, I have his book right behind me. Yeah. Uh, it's called Rapture, and uh, an amazing read. An incredible story of perseverance and a guy that just loves basketball, uh, coached all around the world right. to finally get that opportunity. And, uh, you know, just a, an incredible guy, incredible basketball mind, and – and that was tough because Dwayne Casey was, you know, a great coach. He had Very really good. helped right. the team uh, win a lot, but they just needed a new voice, I guess, to just push forward and, and finally win that title. And uh, but yeah, Nick Nurse was very pivotal in in helping bring that championship to the Raptors. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, what are your thoughts on the Clippers? Like, you know, Kawhi Leonard is going to be. He may possibly be out for the entire season. He's yeah. He's planning to re-sign with the Clippers, which is a great thing for them. But, mm. you know, what What do you think their title chances are next season without a Kawhi Leonard? Oh, a zero. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't see them being able to compete without him. Uh, he is just such a special talent. Uh, he is, you know, really able to elevate his play when necessary. And, and he is, you know, he's one of the elite players in the league when he's on but um yeah his injury troubles have been you know uh, quite frequent over the past four or five years when he went to toronto they were on load management program with him and uh, you know he was playing every second game you know sometimes they would put him out for a couple of games and give him some rest and uh you know i i think that the clippers uh, weren't able to do that and once he was hurt uh, you know, their championship aspirations were, were gone. Um, they, you know, they always seem like that little brother type of, you know, thing with the Lakers. No, uh, no, Lakers no, just... no little brother, Darren. No, they, they are the annoying cousin that won't leave the basement. That's who they are. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah. It has to be annoying to be part of both organizations playing out of the same arena and uh, being compared to each other year after year. And, and the Clippers have, you know, no history of, 
any success and some really dark years in that organization. And bringing in, you know, Balmer was a really good move, even though he drives me crazy on the side of the court. Uh, he, you know, has the money and the ability to, you know, attract whoever they want. But I, I, I've, I haven't seen the the signings that make me think that they can be near the the top of that Western Conference because there's such incredible teams that have been able to build uh, really good depth and, and amazing core. And I don't see the Clippers being very relevant, especially if Kawhi's hurt and out for the year. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lost year for them. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And, and I'm not shedding any tears. <laughs> because the thing is that, that they need to get they need to go they need to get out of the stable center go get your own place like they're working on that now that's fine like just Smart. yeah go we don't want you here anymore just yeah. go just go <laughs> so you know yeah i agree you know they, they although you know they've raised their i would say that they raised their stature over the last decade oh yeah you know the chris oh. paul chris paul the 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 lob years with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and those guys, and then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're still the Clippers. You, you, yeah. you still, they're not bringing in big, big names because people see what we see, or even what I see growing up is that you're just the other team that occupies the table <laughs> center. Right. So exactly. I, think, I believe that once they get their own building, yeah. I think they may end up possibly becoming a destination for for some young players maybe I, i'm not sure but there's one thing that will always kind of linger around for the clippers is that basement curse that black cat clipper <laughs> curse yeah. that i i will always talk about and i will always celebrate because when they lose things are good for me things are good for me but yeah. um but but no you know all seriousness though quiet leonard you know, if they if he's not going to be there, you know, they'll be competitive. But in regards to being a championship team, no, I don't see that. And and then, you know, if he's out for the year, another year older coming off an injury, what is the window? How how wide is that window? What what does that what is that window look like? Do they have a chance to con to, to still compete at the next level? Because your Golden State Warriors are they're on the rise again. I believe that Golden State, I, I don't I don't they're not better than the Lakers, in my opinion, but they are a good team. They are going to be one of the top five teams in the Western Conference next season. Yeah. So, you know, what are your thoughts about the the you know the the moves that they've made? They brought back Andre Iguodala. Um, yeah. They uh, who, who else did they sign? I'm trying to remember. Oh, they signed. Um, oh my goodness, it's a young guy they signed. Um, can't, I can't remember. He's a shooter. They got the draft pick. So what are your thoughts on, on Golden State? You know, Klay Thompson coming back. He's not going to be ready right away, but they said that he will be back. So what are your thoughts on, on Golden State? What are their chances next season? Yeah, I think that they've uh, been able to, you know, see their liabilities and limitations and, and I think finally address them. Uh, you know, seeing Steph sign on for another four years and just give that stability, you know, being the first guy to ever sign two $200 million contracts. Uh, it's really epic and something that we'll always be able to look back on and, and realize, you know, how hugely valuable he was. Uh, Draymond with that experience with the Olympic team uh, was really super valuable. 
Uh, he, you know, he even seemed like he was getting along with KD uh, when yeah. they were they on repaired, the team. They repaired their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they seem to have repaired it. Uh, I, I I see that organization as being able to put the right pieces in place. Uh, Wiseman, you know, has another year to you know look on to you know be able to get better. And yeah, I I, I see them being a, a force in the in the West. Uh, hopefully, Clay can come back quite quickly. Uh, you know, he is such a key piece, and um, yeah, so hopefully he can come back. But not playing him for two years. You know, I, I do have concerns that he's going to, you know, maybe have lost uh, a little bit of his touch, a little that's bit not, of his, you know, that's abilities. Not, that's, I a hope long, that's a long time to not play basketball, man. Yeah, yeah it sure is. Yeah, it's uh, it's very long. And, and uh, yeah, I, you know, shooters usually, you know, aren't, uh, it's not as effective. They're not as affected by injuries. When, you know, you're a catch-and-shoot guy like right. he has always been. Right. Um, you know, I worried about Kevin Durant for sure when, uh, you know, his, he's, you know, utilizing that explosiveness so often, you know, Achilles injury. But with, with Clay, he's just so good at catch-and-shoot that he probably won't lose that ability. And, you know, everyone's hoping so in Warriors Nation. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with finally again. And, uh, you know, that, that West is really tough, though. Jeez, uh, there's a lot of really, really good teams in the right. top of that West. And uh, you're negotiating through shark-infested waters when you're, <laughs> you know, getting up uh, in the upper echelon teams there. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, two more things and then we'll, we'll transition into football. Great. What are your thoughts about the whole Ben Simmons saga with the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, I, I think they have to move on from him. Uh, I don't know where the destination is. Um, you know, most like you, you know, you've, you've mentioned in this podcast already that everyone has limitations. Everyone has weaknesses and, and things they're not good at and things they are good at. And we see it with the champion, two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he had his limitations. He couldn't shoot the three ball to right. save his life. And he kept doing it and doing it and trying it and trying it until finally he said, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm right. going to take it to the hoop and I'm going to dominate. And right. they, they win a title. Uh, I don't know why Ben Simmons either doesn't get it or the game plan uh, you know, wasn't utilizing his strengths, but he has strengths. He has a lot yes. of ability. He's never been a shooter, so you don't have him shoot. Uh, he should have, I don't know what happened at the free throw line and why he can't even sink free throws. It's, uh, you know, something that they should have worked on and been able to figure out. But, um, you know, that, that saga has to end. I, I thought it, it should have ended, you know, maybe the previous year. I agree. And, I agree. You know, yeah, get Joel, Joel, uh, somebody else in there to help them go for a title. They were good in the regular season, but once Simmons's uh, limitations started rearing their ugly head, and they used the hack of Simmons type of attack, uh, they were dead in the water. And and uh, the the Philly fans are very unforgiving. Oh yes, <laughs> they will be merciless on him. He'll be ripped. 
in the papers, on the radio, on the TV, uh, in the in the arena. Uh, I think you know that that has to end, and and hopefully you know they can get some decent pieces when they make when they make the move for him. But I'm not hearing rumors recently of destinations for him, so I don't know where he's going to land. Yeah, well, you know, I definitely agree with everything you said. And, and the reason why you don't hear any destination for where he's going to land, Darren, is because what they're asking for is unreasonable. Right. They're asking for a all-star player back. They're also asking for five picks, wow. and including three pick swaps. Nobody's doing that for a devalued uh, asset right now. He, his, his, he hasn't, this is the lowest his value has been. So I don't understand how you can be asking asking for the highest type of value when teams are looking at you like, okay, we know you want to move him. Yeah. Why would we cave and give you all of this when we know you want to move him? Yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it's it's it, it's it's the it's the backwards thinking in regards to the Philadelphia 76ers. And you know, I I, I have my issues with the Sixers organization. There's times where they look like they're a competent, well-run organization. And there's times where they look like a complete dumpster fire and they don't know what they're doing because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you mess up a kid like Markel Fultz, it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And it, and it makes me wonder, do they have the resources available to help Ben Simmons with whatever issue or whatever issue he's because He's always he's always been a kid that has a low motor. I remember when he was at LSU and they would always say that, oh, you know, his kid's talented. And I would always say, hey, he can do a lot of things, but he doesn't look like he likes to play basketball. He's very good at it. But does he like to play basketball? And the one thing that concerned me greatly about him at LSU, even before he got to the NBA, was LSU wasn't a. They weren't a, a, a tournament team. They right. were a bad team wow. in an SEC conference that wasn't great. Hmm. So I'm just like, okay, you have this kid that has all of these tools. He's a dominating guy, but yet he can't dominate the game enough to get his team to the tournament. Right. That's concerning to me. Cool. And yeah. it's it's kind of reflected in his NBA career that you see everybody looks at the 6'10 stature this defensive dynamo, he can be able to guard five positions, he can pass, he can rebound. People get caught up in that, but they don't really understand that these are just physical things that he has. It's natural to him. Being a great basketball player in regards to thinking the game and being aggressive, that's not natural to him. Right, yeah. You know, just just being big is natural to him. That's that's who he was supposed to be. Yeah. But you know they they need to give him some resources, Darren, in regards to maybe a uh, a sports psychiatrist, something mm-hmm. like that, to be able to find out what's going on with him. Because if he doesn't have the passion that they want him to have, it doesn't matter if the, if it's the Philadelphia 76ers or the other team that trades for him, that team is going to have the same issue. Sure. Yeah. So you know they yeah. got to find out what's going on with him. Does he want to play basketball? And can they be able to have resources in there that can be able to help? Yeah, yeah incredibly good point. Uh, I've always thought that, uh, you know, these teams didn't put enough money and resources into that mental aspect, right. uh, getting that passion, uh, having that sports psychologist on staff so that these guys come from these situations and they're thrust into something 
completely new, really, really challenging and tough, and they're expected to just swim when lots of them sink. And and Philly had that process going for so right. many years, and they had all these top draft picks that they kept bringing in, but they seemed to ruin a lot of them and, and push them out the door because they didn't utilize them properly. And that process has sort of had some failings because they didn't really develop these guys properly. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Because I, I think about Jalil Okafor, I can I can go on. Like, you know, there's there's plenty of kids that have gone through that system that have not panned out. You know, would, would they pan out regardless? Who knows? But I just felt that the Sixers did not help them get no. to where they needed to be. And I think that a lot of it, I think Ben Simmons has a lot to, 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 to hold the blame here. But I also feel that Philly has a lot to, to, to hold as well. So yeah. you know, if I'm going to put, if I'm going to give equal blame or if I'm going to split the shares or, you know, put a percentage on it, Ben Simmons, 60, Philly, 40. You know, yeah. that, that's the way I look at it. You know what I mean? So, you know, if they can be able to kind of sit down in a room together and figure out what they can be able to do to maybe make this relationship a little better or give them time to kind of find a trade partner for him while they go through the season, that may be the best thing. So um, yeah. yeah, the next, the next one I'd like to ask you about before we kind of move into the NFL is um, what are your thoughts on, on Dame Lillard? Do you think that Damian Lillard will stay in Portland? Do you feel that, you know, his loyalty is going to be a negative thing? Like in regards to like when Kevin Garnett said that he wish he would have left Minnesota earlier. Right. You know, took, you know, not saying he doesn't, he doesn't love Minnesota, but, he stayed there so long that he was he was past his prime. Yeah. You know, Dame is in his 30s now. If he stays another year or two in Portland and then wants to move on, he's going to be 33 years old, Darren. Yeah. And, and at that point, you know, what team is actually going to be – and I'm not saying that teams won't, won't, won't trade for him, but what yeah. team is going to be equipped to give him exactly what he wants in regards to that championship window? I know what you're saying there, and, um, you know, he is, uh, is such a good shooter, you know, probably the second best shooter in the league, and, uh, you know, has uh, been able to really make the Trailblazers relevant in a lot of ways, but um, that organization, uh, yeah, doesn't seem to be able to put the pieces around him that he needs. Uh, I couldn't believe how much Jokic... Uh, was so much better than Nurkic. Like, right, it was right. just worlds apart. And I thought Nurkic, you know, was a really key piece for that organization. And I thought having him uh, as their center was really big and help, uh, could help the Blazers reach that upper echelon of the West. But when I saw how uh, dominant Jokic was compared to him, I think he took a very big step back, in my opinion. And I think... I think Lillard, you know, theoretically, if he wants to be considered, you know, among some of the best, he has to leave there. I don't see it um, being a, you know, a fit for him to win some titles and and be able to, you know, be, uh, you know, looked at in this generation as one of the greatest players. I think, you know, Portland is a small community. It's a, you know, it's it's not, you know, one of the big. Uh, places in the um, the U.S. and yeah, you know Milwaukee, Milwaukee was able to do it there, which you know was quite shocking. But it, that's sort of a to me that's sort of a one-off. Yes, and you know you're going to see the big big markets 
you know, always be at the top. And, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Portland being a, a small market team, I, I don't, I don't see them being able to assemble a championship. Even though you know he's probably the second best shooter in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Dame needs to understand that. It doesn't matter if he leaves today or he leaves next season or the season after that. He will always be one of Portland's best players of all time. Like he, you know, the city of the city of Portland, you know, the, the Oregon. They'll they'll always love Dame. They, I don't think that him leaving, the fans will take it personally. It's not going to be like a LeBron James situation where you see them burning his jersey. It's not going to no. be like that. You know, he gave them so many great years. But it's time for him to seek elsewhere. It's just kind of like, you know, Kyle Lowry. He won a championship with Toronto. Could he have stayed in Toronto? Absolutely. He could have played out the string in Toronto. But he felt that he was still capable of playing at a high level and playing for a championship team. And Toronto, Masai Ujiri and those guys, the fans, they they understood that. And they allowed him to leave. You know, they 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 helped him get to Miami. So, you know, that's, that's what I feel Portland needs to do. I think it's time for them to kind of just set, uh, hit the reset button. Uh, get some young prospects in there. Let Dame go wherever he wants to go, and just just allow him to contend for a title. Because mm-hmm. I always say, Darren, the worst place to be as a sports team and a sports organization is in the middle. Limbo. Yeah. It's either you're going to be great or you're going to stink. You don't want to be here. You don't want to mm-hmm. be in purgatory because there's no up and there's no down. You're just yeah. here for the next five years. It doesn't it, it's, it doesn't bode well for, you know, your your star players, uh, um, you know, they're mental. They're, they're not going to be happy with that situation. Yeah. So, you know, that that's yeah. that, that's the situation that that he, he, he finds himself in and he needs to get himself out. I love Oregon. I love Portland. It's a great city. Uh, I love the fan base there. I love going to games live. I've been to many and it's a it's an awesome place to be an awesome place to live. Uh, they have built, you know, they have tried to build a team around him. And, you know, it just doesn't seem to be able to work uh, while he's in his, you know, top window. He's in his most valuable state. So, right. yeah, you know, uh, he should garner a huge amount of really amazing prospects and and be able to, you know, start afresh again and build it up from the foundation. You know, I think in years you could see a, a you know championship type of team going there if they can you know make a really smart move for for Dan. yeah definitely definitely so you know going into the nfl now uh darren the nfl you know preseason has started the hall of fame game was uh yeah. what was that thursday thursday night um, yeah. you know you had the dallas cowboys my cowboys going against the steelers and you know i don't really care about preseason games honestly you know as long as guys can be able to stay healthy and you, you, you know, you allow the, the young kids to be able to showcase their talents and make teams. You know, that's what I kind of look for. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, what you saw in that game? Did, did anybody like pop out to you or do you think that you saw something in that game that can kind of give you a like a, a roadmap to what the what both teams are going to look like? Um, well, I see Pittsburgh. Um... With Ben Roethlisberger, I think he's, you know, well, well, well past his prime. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, You know, they roared out of the gate. Uh, they won, you know, quite a few games early on in the season. I think first nine or ten games. And it seemed like, wow, okay, this uh, this team's legit. And, 
and really has a, an opportunity. And then uh, once, you know, somebody exposed them with right. their weaknesses, they, <laughs> the they came on. exploded. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they've always had a great running uh, team. And I think, you know, that's pretty crucial for NFL, even in the reduced running back role in yes. you know the NFL these days. But I think it's, it's always been key in Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll see if they can get a running back by a committee that stays healthy. Right. Uh, you know, that's super key. Uh, we have a, a local kid, Chase Claypool. He was oh, yes. a, yeah, born and raised here in British Columbia. And, uh, he had a phenomenal rookie season, able to get a lot of touchdowns and, and, and be a very dynamic player. And I, ho- I hope he gets more of a role as things go on. I think uh, he will. I think he will. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, – he should because he's a, he's a big target. He's very athletic, and he's got great hands, and he's got everything you need to be a, an elite receiver. So they should be, uh, you know, they should be pretty decent, but um, they need a succession plan because Ben, you know, probably should be on his last year. Uh, they need to, you know, groom somebody good and bring him in and, and you know, be uh, able to keep relevant uh, with Dallas. You know, as long as they can stay healthy, they've assembled a you know a really good team, and and you know having Dak and and Zeke there, you know those are two of the elite guys in the league, and you know they should be able to help uh, drive this team to the playoffs. Um, that's a a horrible division they're in, and you know you don't really need to be great to you know win that division. So you know I, I see them as being one of the keys there, but. For some reason, they have a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a curse, a bit of a, tr- a bit of trouble, uh, you know, being able to take their game to the next level once, you know, they can make the playoffs and, and go on. Uh, Jerry Jones, I know you love him, and I know, you know, he's one of the reasons why you like the Cowboys. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, it's, it's a problem I don't think can exist anymore where an owner – is the general manager. I don't see that as as being uh, really good in, in modern sports. I think you need to be an owner that's hands-on is fine, but to be responsible for making all the key personnel decisions, uh, you know, it, I don't think it, it's wise. And, and I think it's it's it won't change until he decides to take a step back and put somebody super competent in that role. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like Stephen A. Smith, uh, but I watch him all the time because he's all the time on ESPN, <laughs> and he is such a cowboy hater. And, oh, yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, I agree with, uh, you know, his stance that, you know, it just doesn't seem like the Cowboys, the way they are currently, they'll ever be able to win a title and be that America's team, uh, you know, as long as it's assembled the way it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I love Jerry and and God bless his heart, man. He just he he just reminds me of that that old man that doesn't have his pants on and you just, you know, just let him do what he wants. You know, it, you know, it just, it's, it's Jerry. It's Jerry. You know, so you know, um but but I do agree with you though. I I think that Jerry now this is what I want to talk about with Jerry. We saw that a couple I think it was a week or two back that he had some he had some regret in regards to how he handled the whole Jimmy Johnson thing. He said right. he understood that he he messed it up. You know, in his words, I effed it up. Um, right. You know, what 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 is your do, do you think that Jerry kind of 
realizes his football mortality now that he doesn't have that much time left. And, you know, he kind of realized that maybe in like when he was 50 in his early 50s or mid 50s or whatever, he never thought that it would take 25, 26 years to get back to a Super Bowl. And, you know, that that type of regret, like we talked about earlier, you know, you don't want to live with that regret. It can it can eat you up inside. You know, do you think that Jerry is really sincere about how he felt about that time between him and Jimmy Johnson? Oh, I I think so, for sure. And and I think, uh, you know, when you start looking back on your life and the legacy that you want to leave, I think it starts becoming super important. And and fences can be mended, as we saw, you know, talked about with Draymond and KD there, um, you know, organizations. Like, look at, like you say, they burned LeBron's jersey when he left and then they rejoiced when he came back and he won a title for them, you know. Uh, Fences can be mended. Um, You know, Jerry Jones doesn't become the successful businessman and the owner of the Cowboys and and all the things that he's accomplished in his life without a a big ego and without a lot of, um, you know, self uh, reliance and thinking how you know really capable he is at making very very big decisions and 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 going for it you know uh, he doesn't get there without that but um, you have to be uh, realistic in your viewpoint of your uh, shortcomings and your you know the things that you know might be hampering your ability to reach your goals and you know um, unrealistic uh, self-worth is sometimes a problem with a lot of guys where they think, you know, I was so great in so many parts of my life that I'm going to be great in everything I do. And and I don't need anybody. I've done it. You know, I, I did it on my back and I, I reached these, these heights myself. But you have to realize that uh, these days, a football organization is like a small village like you have to have so many people uh pulling in the right direction right right. making you know all these decisions on a in a daily minute basis that uh all these other organizations have these pieces in place and when you don't um it can you know it can harm you and it can stop your ability to reach that ultimate goal and i know he wants to win a super bowl he wants to win many he wants to bring, you know, that incredible uh, respect back. And, you know, that, that Cowboys organization was just phenomenal through the 90s. Uh, you know, they had just uh, a team that was so well-respected and, and beloved. And, and uh, you know, they have failed in, in many years trying to get back there. And, you know, the only thing I can, you know, point to is him not unleashing the – releasing the reins a little bit and allowing others – that are really big football minds to be able to, uh, yeah, assemble a winner and a Super Bowl champion. So, you know, yeah, I, I hope he, I hope his ego can take a little bit of a step back and he can, you know, yeah, he can see other football minds coming there, helping him reach right. that goal. It can't be himself. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, mean, you know, I don't think that Jerry is ever going to relinquish the reins, but I I think that as the years go on, he's going to give a little bit more power to Steven. 
Yeah. You know, Steven's going to have a little bit more control, a little bit more right. control, but Jerry will always do his press conference. He will always have his radio show. He will always be the guy that everybody wants to hear from because Jerry is the biggest football fan out there. You yeah. know, and what yeah. you get from him is that immediate fan reaction when they lose or they win, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I talk about in regards to the innocence of Jerry Jones. Right. Is that, you know, he really does love his Dallas Cowboys. He sure. loves football. Yeah. And at times you can love something so much that you actually are a detriment to it. So, yeah. um, you know, that that's that's where they are. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a decent season. I believe that, you know, if they can keep Dak Prescott healthy and upright, uh, they will win that division. I got the Cowboys going 10 and 7. Um, if everything breaks right, they can definitely finish 11 and 6. Uh, so, and then I have the um, the Washington football team as well as the Giants uh, rounding that out. I think the Giants and Washington are going to be able to go, they're going to kind of compete for that second spot because both teams have good defenses. Uh, both teams have, have uh, concerns at the quarterback position. So, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I'd like to uh, mention the Giants briefly. There was a funny story coming out of Giants camp. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Kelvin, oh, Benjamin, yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, yeah, uh, Kelvin Benjamin invited to um, Giants camp, and they said um, we want to transition you from receiver to tight end. Um, we think you've got uh, that. You know that'll be where you fit best with our organization. But uh, where you come in at at two sixty five, uh, it's not going to work. Uh, we need you to get down to two fifty one. And that's going to be your ideal weight. You're going to have that quickness still and that ability to go across the middle. Uh, so, yeah, they left it with him. Uh, this is the start of sort of the early camp. And then when official camp starts, uh, he has to get back on the scale. Uh, he walks off the scale, walks out onto the field to, to play, and uh, the training staff have to go over to judge and say, uh, he's 268. <laughs> <laughs> And then all these stories start coming out that he was uh, stealing food from the Giants' uh, kitchen and uh, organization, and he was—he uh, basically ate himself out of a job. Uh, he was forced off the field. Uh, had a bitter press conference where he blamed everybody else, and uh, yeah, the Giants took the high road, high road, and uh, didn't criticize him. Just said, yeah. Uh, Good luck in your next endeavor. And I think he might have just ate, eaten himself right out of the NFL, actually. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Like, you know, if a team gives you a chance to kind of get back into football and change your position and all you have to do is kind of just, like, be a professional and you can't do that, it's time for you to get another job. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was crazy. That was a funny story, I thought, coming out of there. And yeah, that's hilarious. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but uh, you know, you're right. You know, bang on. I think you're right. Uh, you know, Dallas should be the class of that that division, and then you know, the Giants in Washington uh, should uh, be the teams fighting for second place there. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it pans out. Uh, they, they can't be any worse than they were last year. That exactly. division was horrible. So horrible. Right. I think right. uh, everyone's retooled a bit, and uh, it should be much better to watch. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the 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 big signing? Um, uh, what, what's his name? Allen 
Allen Josh gets, Allen. Yeah, Josh, Josh Allen. Josh yeah. Allen gets the big deal by you know by the Buffalo Bills from the Buffalo Bills. Six years, two hundred fifty-eight million dollars, mm. one hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed. Yes. Yes. You know, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think that Josh Allen is a is is he a top five, top seven quarterback in your opinion? I, I yeah, he has he has shown that yeah. Um, not extended length, you know, of years to say, you know, yeah, okay, he is there. He joins that elite. But last year, definitely one of the best quarterbacks out there. Uh, that kind of money is is pretty insane and crazy. Uh, but, you know, that's what quarterbacks that are doing well uh, are garnering these days. So um, I always do worry about teams uh, that have a, have a quarterback in on an entry-level deal and uh you know are able to assemble a really great core and great team around him and then finally when he finishes that off and signs this massive deal then you do lose a lot of the other pieces yeah, so you know, the thing is the thing is with football darren is that when 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 these kids are 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 in these uh when they have these the the, the rookie contracts you can be able to fill out that roster and and compete for a championship that's what Seattle does. That's the blueprint that every team does. But if you notice, name me a quarterback or a team that has won a Super Bowl with a with a with a quarterback making top ten, top five money. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah, has not been one quarterback that has won a Super Bowl making that much money because when you're garnering so much money towards one person, you know you're gonna have to make some sacrifices in other positions. So now yeah. you're going to have to go younger at those positions, which is going to have less experience. You're going to have more, you know, issues in regards to good players and stuff like that. You have to draft well if you're going to pay a quarterback that much money. So, you know, yeah. kudos to him. I like Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is – I think he's better than Dak, in my opinion. I think he's better than Lamar Jackson. I think he's better than Baker Mayfield. And yeah. that's why he deserves that money. I, I, I am going to be very highly critical of the Browns when they give Baker uh, Mayfield his extension and it's going to be even more money than what than what Josh Allen made. So, you know, that's that's the that's the nature of the beast. Right, Darren, it's, it's not about how good you are. It's the fact that you're next up. That's sure. All. Yeah. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, I. I've never been, I would say, I've never been a Tom Brady fan per se. I, I wasn't a fan of the Patriots, but I do appreciate his greatness. And I'm one of the greatest moves he always made was taking a bit less money. Yes. And, you know, being, not having to be that ego and be the number one quarterback right. paid in the league. He was always able to realize that he could have a better team assembled around him if he took a little bit less and now he's probably the richest man that's football's ever made. Um, and you know, it's because he's won that many championships because he was him and Belichick were able to have a team assembled around him. And you know, when he decided he wanted to part ways with the Patriots organization and Belichick looked around the league and saw how stacked Tampa was, it was like, okay, I can go there and, we can, you know, compete for a championship probably if everything goes right. And he still doesn't have to be that highest paid guy. And him right. and his agent don't have to pat themselves on the back and, and say, yay, we are the best. We're the number one. 
And so, you know, there's brilliance in that. And unfortunately, I wish more agents and I wish more elite players saw that and realized, hey, if I take less, I can win more. And I, I you know, I see that. I saw that with the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, you know, phenomenal talent. He had a great a lot of weapons on offense, but that defense was legendary. That Legion of Boom was able to help them get to two Super Bowls in a row, and they should have won two in a row there. Uh, and they should have been able to compete for more if Russell was able to be paid the same type of money that he was paid going into those years. But once he got, you know, his massive extension, then piece by piece started having to get traded, released, and they were gone. And now, you know, they can't compete for a championship the way they stand. So... Uh, it's unfortunate uh, the way it works that, you know, the quarterback and the top receivers, uh, maybe a running back are getting that huge, huge, huge money. And then you have to try to assemble the other 50 guys, you know, with, you know, the, the limited amount of funds that you still have left. Right, right. You know, that's 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 always the thing with me is that, you know, I am I am a stickler for, hey, listen, if you're the guy, if you're the quarterback, if you're the leader of this team. If you want to get your money, great, but just know that getting your money and winning championships do not court they, they don't go hand in hand. No. So, you know, if you want to be the highest paid, go ahead, but don't make people believe that it's all about winning because it's not. No. You know, Tom Brady showed you that it's all about winning. He knew that he wasn't the the most talented quarterback in his generation in his era. It was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning had all the talent, but Tom Brady said, I can be able to do something that Peyton can't. I can win and win a lot and win more consistently than everybody, anybody has ever done. That's going to be my claim to fame. That's going to be my road to the hall of fame. Because when you look at Tom Brady, Tom Brady's not a great athlete. He doesn't have a great arm. He, 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 you know, there's nothing spectacular about Tom Brady physically. Yeah. Mentally and the the awareness and the knowledge and the foresight to understand what he was good at and what he needed to focus on, that's what makes him great. So great. And, and, you know, a lot more players need to realize that that's what's needed. You know, Tom Brady, he's married to Giselle Bunches. He's one of the richest women in the world. He looked at it like, listen, I'm I'm not, I'm never leaving Giselle. I I could take, give me $15 million. I'm good with that because of all the other endorsement deals he has off the field, this man makes a lot of money. And, you know, you have to have that type of foresight to understand what your worth is, what you can be able to generate, you know, on the field as well as off the field. A lot of guys don't have that. A lot of guys see a contract and say, listen, I, I got to I gotta cash in now. I got to make sure that I get as much money as I possibly can in a short window because I don't know how long I'm going to do this. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can play 20 years like Tom Brady, and I understand that. Sure. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I see both sides of the coin. I, I see that, okay, yes, I, I do want players to take less money in regards to quarterbacks and stuff like that, but I also understand the other part of it is that this is a brutal sport. And yep. this sport is not it's not kind to your body. You have to get as much money as you possibly can in a short period of time. And if if you win, great. If you don't, then that's what it is. But you have mm-hmm. to protect yourself in regards to your financial situation, your family, 
and as well as, you know, protect the CBA as well, because, you know, if they if they don't protect the players union, if everybody's taking pay cuts then why should any organization pay top dollar for anybody? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, it's, no, a, it's always it's always, yeah. a, 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 you know, both sides of the coin there. So I, I understand that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Give and take. Yeah, it's a give and take. And uh, yeah, it, NFL, you know, very rare you're getting guaranteed money and careers are, you know, three years on average right. in a lot of those positions. And so, you know, yeah, you got to get what you're going to get. But, uh, you know, if you have that forethought, you know, and, and that you know, you want to be considered among the elite and you you have that talent as well. You, you know, yeah, you can look to examples like him and, you know, see that there is that a, a, a ability to be there. And you're right, Peyton Manning, you know, he should have won many, many titles because he was the best quarterback of his generation. But, um, yeah, they couldn't assemble the team around him that he needed to, to go all the way. And um, But, yeah, I... It's difficult, you know, it's hard to know when, you know, you're coming up for free agency, you want to sign for the most you can, but just, you know, to realize there is a better way. If you take a little lesson, you probably could make that up in endorsements. Right. You know, being that Mount Rushmore kind of guy, right. you know, you're going to have legacy and you're going to have the ability to make money until the, the day you die. So. Absolutely. Because because think about, think about the, the personality that Tom Brady has himself into everybody thought that he was this no frills guy in, in in new england and you know peyton manning was the big personality he was the funny guy and now we're seeing the real tom brady come out and right. how funny he is and how engaging he is and he's going to make a ton of money after football so, if people thought that he didn't make money on the on the field he will make it up off the field because oh, yeah. every, everybody's going to want tom brady in some aspect whether it be movies whether it be you know, him hitting the announce booth, whether him, you know, having his own podcast, whether him, you know, he's going to be in so many different places and he's going to be in high demand that he will be able to recoup. So like we were saying with him, foresight, he understood that I need to be a professional here. I understand that I can't be myself in New England. I get that this is my job. This is what I have to do. It's yeah. about winning. It's about sacrifice. I've sacrificed a lot here for 20 years. I need to go somewhere now where I can be able to have fun on the tail end of my career. Yeah. So, you know, he understood that a lot of guys don't have that type of, first of all, they, they don't have the, the inner circle. They don't have the entourage. They don't have the, the, the brain trust in their, mm -hmm. in, in their, their, you know, their little circle there to be able to direct them in that direction. But he had a, you know, his, his, his parents are great people. His father is a yeah. very smart person. So he came from, humble beginnings he came from being that humble guy but that that competitor yeah on the field sure. like you know what i mean yeah. like he's a great guy but when you get him on that field he's a, he's a pit bull so yeah. you know he yeah. understood both sides of it and that's why people call him the goat and i i can't you know i can't disagree with him i can we can have a uh, an, an argument about it for five hours if you want to but i just kind of concede now i'm like all right if you think brady's the goat then whatever like i'm not, <laughs> right. I'm, not I'm not gonna fight you anymore i'm not gonna fight you anymore yeah 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 i hear you yeah and he played last year with a torn mcl injury even to boot you know so adds a little bit more to the legacy the, the legend grows right the legend <laughs> yeah. grows Un unbelievable he's just he, they don't make tom brady you know often it's him and lebron and 
that's that's pretty much it in regards to just longevity and how these guys just continue to just play at a high level at a, at an advanced quote unquote stage of their their playing careers. Yeah. Um, you know, segueing to into into baseball here, Darren. You're a big Yankee fan as well as Blue Jays fan. Yeah. Yankees at the trade deadline before the deadline, they were kind of struggling. They were losing games. They were you know they were getting beat by Boston left and right and. Nobody understood what was going on. The pitching wasn't there, and uh, Aroldis Chapman was was kind of eroding um, yeah. in the back in the back end of the bullpen there. And they go ahead and instead of selling at the deadline, they buy and mm-hmm. they buy big. Yeah. They go ahead and go. They, they get Joey Gallo. They get Anthony Rizzo. And what we're seeing from this Yankee team right now is that they've completely turned it around. Yeah, they've won. I think they've won um, nineteen or twenty out of the last twenty-seven games, or something like that. So they're rolling right now. Do you think that the Yankees? I, I think the division is out of reach. Do you think that they can be able to, you know, get that wild card position and possibly be able to 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 advance in the playoffs? Yeah, well, yeah, they made some very bold moves. Uh, you know, I. I suspected that they probably will, that they're really known for, you know, just going for it. Uh, I, I, I saw them, you know, seeing some of their uh, lack of left-handed power hitting, yes. and so they addressed that. Uh, immediately, Rizzo hits home runs in his first few games. Uh, Gallo, uh, you know, wins the game last night. Uh, they, uh, they really went and, you know, addressed their needs big time. Uh, they should have, you know, brought in more bullpen help for sure. Uh, they have been decimated recently with COVID, and that's yes. something that concerns me. Uh, so many guys have been getting COVID on that Yankees organization. Uh, the other thing that concerns me is uh, when they started worrying about uh, doctoring the baseball, Garrett Cole has taken a big step back. And uh, I don't know what type of substance he might have been using, to increase that spin rate and the ability to put the ball where they can hit it, but right. uh, he lost that, and uh, now he's not their big ace and the ability to you know get that guaranteed win every time he steps on the mound. So um, we'll see. But uh, all the teams in that AL East, uh, you know, were able to bring in te- uh, players. Uh, you know, you saw all of the. All of the teams in that top of that AL East addressed concerns and and brought in guys. So, um, you know, it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch. Uh, the Blue Jays uh, were able to, uh, yeah, bring in a really really good guy in Jose Barrios. Uh, really, you know, key player for them. He he won his first start when he came in. Uh, they addressed some concerns uh, in their bullpen as well and. Uh, I see it's going to be crazy dogfight. Um, Tampa's, uh, you know, Tampa's really assembled in an amazing organization, and even they brought in Nelson Cruz, and right. and you know he's uh, he was a big piece for them. Uh, you know these teams are going to be fighting each other so much down the stretch. There's so many games against each other that you know one team's definitely going to uh, rise to the top. Um, but I think to me. Oakland's going to fade down. Seattle's going to eventually fade down. Uh, I see uh, I see Boston, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays, you know, fighting it out right there for those uh, coveted wildcard spots for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. I, you know, you look at the standings right now, six and a half games are, are between these four teams. 
And, you know, that's 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 going to be a race to the finish. You know, the Red Sox right now, they're struggling two and eight in their last 10. You know, they, they're starting to go through a rough patch that we, no. we're, we're in the dog days of, of, of the baseball season. So, you know, we'll see if they can be able to right the ship. But it, like you said, man, it, it's going to be a, a, a great race. I think this division is really, really good. Toronto is really good. Uh, mm. You know, the Barrios deal, like you said, it was it was a really great pickup for them. Uh, I, I, I love every team. You know, all four teams have their have their strength and their weaknesses. Um, if I'm going to pick just off the top of my head, who who finished, who wins the division? I think the Red Sox will will right the ship and win the division slightly over the Rays. Okay. I got the Yankees. Uh, I, I do have the Yankees taking that wild card spot. And um, but but the problem is that who do you pitch in that wild card game? Yeah, you know yeah. because if because yeah. if Garrett Cole does not, if he's not mentally there, who do you turn to? Who's mm-hmm. the guy that you turn to? Because like you said, they didn't really address the pitching that much. Who do you turn to for the biggest game of your season? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, he, you know, yeah. Losing him, uh, he has not looked the same since. I don't know if it's coincidental or you know something. You know, he was utilizing as change, but um, yeah, you need you need a really you know big guy to come in there and and win that game so you can you know take the next step into the playoffs. Uh, the Blue Jays. Once they finally returned home, they were gone for 600 days. Uh, no, they were homeless, you know, bouncing right. around. And uh, no, once no, they've been no home, country, no country, no country, to, uh, yeah, uh, they've been they're uh, I think eight and one now, uh, back at the, the dome. And uh, that team is is exciting and fun. I think yes, the chemistry, are. I think the chemistry in, in that team seems to be unprecedented in that AL East. I don't think any other team is as close as that team. And uh, they have just a murderer's row uh, going down that lineup. Uh, they were losing 2 nothing yesterday, and they ended up putting up, I think, nine runs on the board and winning 12-2. In, in one inning, nine runs. They they Once they start hitting, it's contagious. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Vladdy and Bichette and... And, you know, the, the guys at the top of that lineup, uh, Springer has been just cracking uh, leadoff home runs like crazy. And Simeon and Teoscar Hernandez. Um, yeah, it's a, they have assembled a, a really fantastic, fun, young team Absolutely. that has really come together well. And that chemistry, I think, could take them really far. Oh, yeah, 100%, Darren. You know, a lot of people, they underestimate chemistry. Yeah. Like chemistry... Chemistry is is higher than actual talent, because when you believe, when you have the confidence, when you know that the guy next to you, the guy aside you, the guy behind you can be able to you, you, you trust them and you know that everybody's going to raise their game to another level, you can be able to beat anybody. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what they have. They have youth on their side. They don't have that much experience but they have the joy to play baseball. When you watch Vladdy Jr. play baseball, you, 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 you can't help but smile because, yeah. you know, yeah. he reminds you so much of his father because his father had that love for the game as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. these things, and Bo Bichette, same thing, you know, he, he comes from lineage. Uh, Biggio comes from lineage. So all yeah. of these guys, they, they, they understand what it is to be a professional baseball player, what mm-hmm. it is to be at this level and to have that that camaraderie in the clubhouse on this team it can take you a long way so yeah 
I, I, I like this Toronto team. I've, I've liked them for a few years because they've been good for a few years. Mm. You know, different different regimes. Obviously, you know, you had the um, you had the Jose Batista years. You know, you had the uh, what, what's the other guy that was at third base? The one MVP. What's his name? Um, Donaldson. Uh, yeah, Josh yeah, Donaldson. Josh Donaldson. So you know, you 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 had a couple of different different eras here in, in, in Toronto, man. But I, I like what they're doing here. They have some young talent, and I always love the mixture. I, I always believe, Darren, that when you have a, a core of young guys as well as veteran guys mm-hmm. and you guys, you, you could be able to kind of like gel that together, mesh that together. That's a championship team. That's yeah. a championship puzzle. We saw that. You know, we, we see that with the Dodgers. They have young guys, but they also have a lot of experienced guys. We saw mm-hmm. that a couple of years ago with the Washington Nationals that won the World Series. They mm-hmm. have some experienced guys as well as young guys that led the team. So, you know, that's that's the formula that teams have to have. Obviously, every team is looking for that, but every team can't find good young talent. That's the problem. So, yeah. you know, they have it. Uh, the AL East is 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 just riddled, you know, just just has a, an abundance of of great talent in there. So, you know, I'm curious to see how that finishes. But, you know, going into going into the other the other league, Darren, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about this, but I have to. Um the NL East. Okay. The Philadelphia Phillies, they've been red hot. They've won five straight games. They are seven and three in their last 10. Bryce, uh, Bryce Harper is on fire. He's knocking yeah. everything out of the park. And they have beat the Mets. And for the first time in 90 days, the Mets are not in first place. First off, I want you to talk about the Phillies on what you think that they can be able to do for the rest of the season. Can they hang on? to build this lead and get into the playoffs? Um, well, I didn't see them. I didn't see them busy enough uh, in the lead up to the, the trade deadline. Right. I, I think they needed to address a bit more. I was a little disappointed in their inactivity there. Um, I think the Mets bringing in Javi Baez, even though he's a, a, a strikeout machine, uh, I think, you know, he addressed the, you know, a big need there with Lindor out. Uh, I think, you know, having him um, come in and, and solidify that. And once Lindor comes back, he'll, there'll be a really good uh, piece in the middle of that infield. Um, he brings a lot of swagger to that yes. team. Yes. And, uh, you know, since Steve Cohen has bought that organization, um, they really have become a team to look out for and a team that, you know, you have to respect and you have to, uh, yeah, just realize that they're going to be in the mix at the top of that division year after year. Uh, they're, they're willing to spend a lot of money. They're willing to address needs and, and get uh, good talent there. Uh, Bryce Harper is having an MVP type season. Uh, you know, he's um, back to... Uh, you know, form I haven't seen in a couple of years. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, I don't know why it took him so long to get back to this level, but uh, when he's in the zone like he is, uh, he can elevate the entire lineup and this this team. He's a guy that the rest of the team will uh, be willingly getting on his back and, and helping this organization go forward and push um, yeah, Mets, once they get healthy, uh, yeah, they're going to be tough team, uh, you know, down the stretch, obviously, you know, they're, you know, they just need to get a bit healthier, get their pitching staff back and their, you know, the, the top guys, Lindor's huge for them. 
once they can get healthy, uh, yeah, it's going to be a heck of a battle between those organizations at the top. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I am very hopeful for the Mets' future. Definitely yeah. hopeful for the future. Sure. Here's my problem. It's the present that bothers me, Darren. <laughs> okay. Because you, 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 you said it before that Toronto has all of these nice young pieces. You got George yeah. Springer knocking everything out of the park. We could have had George Springer in the offseason. Right. True. We, yeah. we decide to not give him the money that he actually wanted over the years or whatever it was, right? But we yeah. were willing to give it to Trevor Bauer, but I digress. I don't <laughs> no, want to talk no. about that right now, right? right. So yeah. my issue with them is that's one. So you know that at the deadline, what were the Mets' concerns? Obviously, you needed you needed another bat in there, but you also needed starting pitching. Yeah. Taiwan Walker has been a fraud since he signed with the Mets. This Not is good. why they got him at a bargain because there's a lot of teams out there that looked at Taiwan Walker and said, okay, you're good, but anything over five innings or six innings, you completely compl- uh, uh, implode on yourself. Yeah. Because he just doesn't, he can't go deep in the games. That's not what he does. No. So how can you put it, what what type of premium can you put on that when you know a guy can't give you anything more than five innings at a, at a start? We no. saw he, good, he had a good start to the season, but now he's starting to play to the back of his baseball card, so to speak. Yeah. Giving up runs, he's giving, yeah, his ERA has ballooned a full point since the All-Star break. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, you have Marcus Stroman, his his ERA has ballooned about like like you know maybe half uh, you know more than half so it, it's it's not good what I'm seeing they they left a small village on the bases over the last few games <laughs> yeah thirty five men left on base Darren in the last few games wow that Crazy. is frustrating to no end yeah. and my Crazy. problem with this team is that they didn't do enough at the deadline. Because yeah. they felt that, oh, you know, DeGrom is going to come back. Carrasco is, com- is coming back. Syndergaard is coming back. But you're, you're relying on guys that have health concerns. Yeah. That's not what you want to do because Cindy is going to come back at some point, right? But is he going to be a starter or are you going to have him in the bullpen to kind of take the stress off of him? You, yeah. Like coming off of Tommy John, you don't want to just throw him back into the, into the, 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 the deep end like that. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of concerns. My my biggest issue other than those things. All right, there's two. Uh, let's start with the first one. <laughs> first one is Luis Rojas. I don't think, and maybe you can be able to, to, to give me some insight on this or what you think. I don't think he's a good manager, Darren. What are no. your thoughts on, on Luis Rojas? Yeah, um, I haven't uh, I haven't been uh, wowed by his ability to pull the right strings at the right time uh i i feel like um yeah as a baseball mind uh you think that this should this move should be made and he doesn't make it and i i think that yeah there's just a, a sort of a disconnect there where um you know the i don't know maybe it's the analytics that are you know helping him make decisions but i don't think that he uses his gut instinct like he should right and you know i don't think that the uh, moves that are made are made quick enough and and at the right time so you know it, it helps them yeah i'm with you I, i'm definitely with you man i just think that 
you know, this is why, like, as a Met fan, like, I, I go back and forth with my Met, you know, my Met friends and, and guys that love the team and support the team. I, I say that I'd rather the Mets not make the playoffs because mm-hmm. if they don't make the playoffs, that means that Luis Rojas isn't coming back. If they make the playoffs, then that means that they're going to retain him. So maybe, just maybe, you just, just don't make the playoffs so you can get another manager. Uh-huh. That's my one issue because I can't stand the bullpen games that he that he that he throws out there. These yeah. bullpen games just bother me. Call right. up some, call up some kid in the minors and let them pitch. I don't want these bullpen games anymore. They they work for the Rays. They don't work for the Mets. They don't right. work for us. Yeah, so that's that's the one. That, that's one thing. The other yeah. thing that's a big concern to me, and I would love to see what they do in the offseason and what you what you what your thoughts on this, Darren, is that Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto missed a, a, a long time in the season. I think he missed almost two months of the season. Uh, his agent is Scott Boris. We already know what that means, that he doesn't negotiate during the, during the season. Has Michael Conforto played himself out of a big contract? Well, man, is he struggling? He's uh, he's just had a horrible, horrible down year. He's batting uh, one ninety nine. Yeah, he can't even crack two hundred, and you know he's been one of the biggest disappointments in baseball, I think, this year. Um, yeah, I think he has come close to, you know, getting himself out of a big, big deal because something's obviously wrong. Um, you don't see good hitters uh hit below 200 ever in their careers you just don't see a guy that knows how to hit and knows how to get on base uh struggle this badly and right. yes you know yes he's had injuries that have probably con- you know ha- obviously probably have contributed to this but he probably shouldn't have come back if he's still you know dealing with some injury troubles because uh i think this has cooled the market on him and uh yeah he's been one of the biggest disappointments as i said this season and i don't know why exactly but um yeah he's 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 one of the biggest reasons why they're having troubles yeah definitely so if you're the mets if you're steve cohen if you're sandy allison you know if you're if you're the gm over there do you bring conforto back um well, you know, I'm not I'm not as an insider as many with the Mets. So, you know, there's been a lot of years of, uh, you know, good baseball from him. So, you know, maybe you you can forgive a down year like this. Right. But, you know, maybe you're knowing a lot more of the, you know, injury woes. You may maybe he has some, you know stuff outside of baseball that we don't know of maybe going through a divorce going through some you know family troubles uh you know that can affect the guy's performance really really significantly so um you know if it's just a baseball thing maybe not no maybe not but you know maybe it's benefited the doubt because there's other issues causing this down year yeah okay that's fair that's fair i I can definitely see that because he's a you know he's a homer you know, he's a guy that went through the system that, you know, we, we always love our own. So, sure. you know, we'll see what happens. If he's willing to come back on a discount, then I, I would gladly take him back. But in the regards to what Scott Boris normally, like, <laughs> right. this is the thing yeah. with me, right? Yeah. I want to see what Scott Boris's 
his 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 free agent pitch is going to be for Michael Conforto. Right. Because normally he has his book of all the players that are comparable to his particular client, right? And sure. you can say based on these numbers, the analytics, my client's supposed to be making this much money. Well, if you're going to use these numbers from this year or a full season, you can't go back to 2020. You can't go back to 2019. You have to go to the most recent success or failures from your client. How is he going to pitch that to any organization? I'm curious. I'm yeah. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for many of these negotiations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to be able to see, you know, what kind of magic he can work. And he has worked an incredible amount of magic for his clientele. Yes, and they are some of the, if not the, all the highest paid players in baseball. So, right. uh, you know, he's he's become the elite agent that guys want to sign with because he does get them massive deals and he's able to convince um, you know, organizations to trust him and, and sign for these big contracts. And, you know, I, I would think that he has a fairly amazing team with him that can see where they can target a team right. and they can convince, you know, oh, he's been negotiating for years and years. So I, I, I would not doubt that he can get big money for his clients <laughs> anywhere he goes. He's a, He's a very smart man. I think he has an amazing team behind him. No, that's true. That's very true. I, I'm sure he'll be able to convince some soccer team to, to give Michael Conforto $180 million. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I always like to – oh, before, before I go into the last segment, Darren, who do you think is going to win the NL East at the end? Uh, yeah, I think the Phillies probably do it. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I think they – yeah, they, they just seem to be the team to beat for me. Okay, okay, that's fair. I, I'm not even going to disagree with that right now because I am so fed up with my Mets that any anything that's not them, I will agree with. So, okay. <laughs> so, you know, let's go ahead and go into the last segment of the show. I call this Rapid Fire Darren where I like to, you know, ask certain questions about who do you think is better. I don't, you know, I'm not going to debate you. This is all your particular opinion. Okay. Unless... It's something egregious. I may have to step in and 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 pull the executive decision uh, card here. Okay. But, uh, I, I don't think that you're you're gonna do that because you're you're pretty you're a pretty fair guy. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and start with the NFL. Better quarterback, Dan Marino, or Peyton Manning? Oh, uh, oh, I think Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah, I think Peyton Manning wins that one. Uh, Dan Marino, you know, was a physical specimen and, you know, phenomenal in his day. But uh, Peyton Manning, I think, took the quarterbacking to a different level. Um, you know, he, he was able to step up to the line and look at the defense and change the play and, you know, realize what play was going to work uh, better than any other quarterback that's ever taken a field. So, you know, my respect for Peyton Manning and his abilities – are, are huge and legendary. Dan Marino, great career. Unfortunately, never won a Super Bowl. So, you know, has that black mark on his career a bit. But um, both elite, elite. But, yeah, Peyton Manning, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, man. Peyton Manning revolutionized the quarterback position. What you, what you see quarterbacks do now is thanks to Peyton Manning. Yeah. So, um, you know, definitely, I definitely agree with that. Uh, let's see. Give you another. This wasn't a tough one, but I'll give you another one. Better quarterback, Joe Montana 
or Troy Aikman? Ah, uh, yeah, tough one too. Really good comparisons. Um, I always said Joe Montana was the the greatest quarterback until Tom Brady. Um, you know, he was just able to know what worked in the system that they ran in San Francisco and was able to win those championships. And and they had that West Coast offense uh, where he just had little bullet passes and was able to march the team down the field, especially in very crucial crunch time situations and, and win those, those Super Bowls. And, um, you know, with Jerry Rice, who I consider – the greatest football player to ever live outside of Tom Brady. I agree. Uh, you know, those two together, you know, that Niners organization was really lucky to have those two guys at the time and and then Steve Young coming in. But but Trey Aikman, you know, he definitely was in a great uh, era of the, of the Cowboys. They had the big three. And, uh, you know, it was pretty incredible and impressive to watch those those teams uh, win those Super Bowl titles. Uh, but, you know, when I'm just going on Aikman and Montana, I, you know, I think Montana's the second best quarterback to ever live. And uh, so he would be a little bit ahead of Aikman. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I like that. I like that um, that assessment that you put. That's that's definitely spot on. Right on the nose. Nice. Uh, better. Okay. Favorite quarterback for the Chargers. Favorite better. Dan Fouts. Phillip Rivers. Or Justin Herbert. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Dan Fouts, you know, to me was uh, just an absolutely incredible quarterback. Uh, was just so, so, so talented. His arm strength, uh, the ability to get the ball down the field. They lacked a defense. They lacked a, a running game quite a bit. Uh, but they, they had really successful years. Uh, we're never able to get, a, you know, a title there. Um, but you know, yeah, very formidable career. You know, Fouts is one of the elite quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Rivers came in, you know, fresh off of Drew Brees' career, and uh, you know, he had all the physical tools. Uh, you know, should have been able to take that team to some championships, I think so, but I couldn't. So, you know, I, I just feel like it was a career sort of unfulfilled. Right, right. And, and never really lived up to what he was supposed to bring to that organization. Breeze left and won a championship in New Orleans. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, you looked at the two physical specimens, you know, most people would have sided with Rivers, but um, the intangibles that Breeze brought and, you know, the, his abilities in the end, um, you know, he became a better quarterback. Than, than Rivers. Um, Herbert, I'm excited for. Uh, I think, you know, he's, the future... He's, he, he's so good. He's the so future's good. really bright. He's so good. He's so good and so good so soon, right, which right. I, I didn't really foresee. I thought he would take a little time to adjust um, and, and be able to, you know, make this team relevant again. Um, so, you know, Fouts, Rivers, and then Herbert, you know, in the third position, but... You know, I can see Herbert, uh, you know, from what I've seen so far, he can become, you know, very elite amongst those two guys eventually uh, in a San Diego uniform. Okay, okay. So so if I'm hearing right, you might you might give Herbert the edge right now. You, you give him a little edge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's coming up, but 
Uh, yeah, Dan Fotes, um, you know, what? If, if you're a football fan and you don't know much about Dan Fotes' career, look up his statistics. Definitely. Try to find some footage of him. Uh, you know, he was just elite of the elite back in his day. And, and a lot of people, you know, don't know his career that well because right. he was, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, but, you know, he was incredible. Uh, Rivers, yeah, you know, has all the tools, solid quarterback, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like he let down the organization many too, too many times and didn't win that game that he needed to um, get that team to the next level and yeah. just wasn't able to do it. And uh, But I'm excited for this Herbert generation. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I definitely will we'll, we'll give Dan Faust the nod. We'll definitely give Dan yeah. Faust the nod. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Better running back. Uh, LT in regards to LaDainian Tomlinson or Marshall Falk? Oh, wow. <sighs> yeah, I'd have to say LT because um, he had he had a season that should go down as one of the most incredible seasons that any football player has ever, ever produced. Uh, he was able to get in the end zone. Uh, you know, just on such a regular basis, uh, scoring two and three touchdowns a game, um, just, you know, was at the top of his game, one of the greatest running backs to, to ever, ever lace him up and live. Uh, Marshall Falk, uh, great, great career, you know, super talented guy, had, uh, you know, a lot of phenomenal seasons there, but sort of a little bit in obscurity there in Indy and, uh, you know, just, yeah, I don't know. I would say LT, LT. Yeah, th those are two of my favorite running backs of all time. So I I, I can't choose between the two of them. You know, they're, they're just 1A and 1A. <laughs> That's I love it. it. Like, I love it. They, nobody goes lower than the other. They're just two, they're just staring at each other. So um, I, I love it that uh, LT's on the NFL Network. Yeah, I get to hear yeah. him talk every week. Yeah. And, you know, he, he adds a lot to those broadcasts and, and it's great that he chose that as, as his post-career job. And, and we can relive a lot of his amazing abilities. Uh, yeah, he, he brought a lot of excitement to the Chargers organization. And he was really fun to watch his entire career there. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, here's, a, here's a tricky one for you. Okay. Better, uh, who had the, the most impressive short-term career? Mm. As running back, uh, Priest Holmes for the Chiefs mm. or Chris Johnson for the Titans? Wow. Wow. Um, you know, the amazing thing is uh, Kansas City seemed to have uh, churning out year after yes. year these incredible running backs yes. just year after year. And and they, they, they seem to have a great guy for a couple of seasons and then he would go on the waste pile and they would draft another guy and bring right. another guy in. And so, right. um, yeah, I, I really wish I could have seen Priest's longer term plan because yeah, those couple of seasons he had there were legendary, hard to bring down. He was so super, good, super good, super tough nose. Amazing. Um, I, I, I definitely feel like I have to lean towards Johnson, though. I just feel like, um, yeah, he just, uh, I don't know, had, I think, 
better top end talent maybe in the end and just had a more elite uh short term career. Okay, okay. I, I'm I'm going Priest Holmes, man. I listen yeah. that that year that he had 27 touchdowns, it just yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I remember him every time you would look on TV, he was doing his little side celebration. Like that, that guy was something else, man. He Amazing. Was, he was special. But uh, it's fair. Like I, I, Chris Johnson was, you know, he had the 200, he had, uh, the, the 2000 yard season. So, yeah. you know, you, you definitely can be able to, to go either way. So that, that that's good. Sweet. Uh, let's go. Better wide receiver. And I'm not going to go the conventional, you know, Jerry Rice or Randy Moss. No, 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 no. We're going to go with guys that, you know, get under, they're very underappreciated. Okay. Uh, Marvin Harrison mm. or Isaac Bruce? Oh, wow. Uh, I guess what jumps out to me immediately is just Harrison and Peyton Manning's, right. uh, you know, career together. Just the numbers that they put up. Uh, when you see uh, quarterback receiver uh graphics boards put up they're always there it's right. harrison manning are always near the top in in every category that you always see and and that um connection that he had with manning was just you know one of the best in in nfl history absolutely you know just uh so phenomenal that he um yeah he had a, a really 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 stellar career there and and the the second guy you, you compared him to to I, uh, Isaac, Isaac Bruce. Bruce oh yeah Isaac Bruce um, yeah I mean when he was there you know they they had a phenomenal uh, team they uh, he was he was there during the greatest show on turf you know and so they had so many offensive weapons there that um, in a way, he got a little bit overshadowed, a little bit, just yeah, because, absolutely, absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I think people pointed to other key pieces to that offense that, that drove it. But, uh, yeah, one of the elite, elite talents. Um, but I'd have to side with Harrison, I think. Um, yeah, just how he was able to get that chemistry with Harrison. I mean, with, with Peyton, uh, they were... Uh, just such a formidable duo that, you know, as I say, he's going to be remembered for so many years to come because he's he's in that conversation of the two best quarterback receiver duos ever. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Like, you know, I, I was a big Marvin Harrison fan growing up, big Peyton Manning fan, but I was also, I was a Rams fan. I love those teams, man. You know, and yeah. Isaac Bruce was always the underappreciated guy. Like, you know, they had Torrey Holt that was the big play guy, the flashy yeah. guy. But exactly. Isaac Bruce was the consistent thousand-yard receiver. You, you, you look, look at his numbers, 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and he has 10 touchdowns. So, yeah. you know, that that's just who he was. And, yeah. you know, as time goes on, I think people kind of forget how how great he was yeah. as a receiver because yeah. he, he was a great route runner. He had great footwork. He was strong at the top of his route. You can be able to throw it up in regards to just like a, a, a you know, a catch and ball, and he will go up there and get it. So, you know, yeah. that he, he very underrated, uh, very underappreciated in regards to historically. So, you know, but I, I definitely would give Harrison a nod. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Heading to basketball now. Okay. Better defender. Mm. Draymond Green or Dennis Rodman. Oh, wow. 
Well, Draymond calls himself the greatest defender to ever live. So, uh, you know, do I defer to that? Nah, probably not. But, um, you know, Rodman, when I look at the totality of his career, I, you know, I, I love his defense. I just, I just think his uh, prowess at rebounding was the thing that makes him amongst the elite players in the league undersized. But the ability to get that ball every time down the court was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, when he was in Detroit, uh, in the you know after his first initial few years, his defense when he was with the Bad Boys was uh, incredible, just absolutely incredible. They were able to you know shut down Chicago, shut down you know so many elite teams uh, during those years. That yeah, you got to give them a ton of props, but. Um, you know, Draymond, I guess maybe because it's top of mind, he's on my favorite team and, you know, I, I hope he's my next guest on my podcast next week, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Draymond will go down as one of the best players ever. I just, um, yeah, I, I wish he would score more. I wish he had a little more, uh, well-rounded to his game, but, um, yeah, man, that's a great comparison. I love that. Uh, I'm gonna pick Draymond, uh, but uh, <laughs> but the worm, what a, what a career he had, and look at all the rings. And uh, but yeah, like you know, strangeness, he wins out hands down. Oh yeah, that's so so you're you're gonna go with the bias pick and pick Draymond Green. That's fine. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm not gonna argue. Yeah. With you. I'm going Rodman. I'm going Rodman all day. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Better point guard, just pure point guard. Okay. John Stockton mm. or Chris Paul? Oh, wow. Oh, I think uh, Stockton uh, for sure. Um, I agree. Chris, yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's recency bias with a lot of people, you know, saying that Chris Paul might be the greatest point guard to ever live but right. you know I, I don't i think he's out of the top five i i think he's 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 great he's had a phenomenal career but uh we can't forget you know some of the greatest point guards of all time and right you know yeah stockton was just in a in an elite league that's just amazing because he wasn't tall he wasn't super athletic he wasn't fast yeah he wasn't quick he wasn't fast he didn't he didn't possess anything that made you afraid, but he knew how to run that team so well and get that team the best out of that team, uh, get the best out of the mailman and everything that, yeah, he's he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. Uh, Chris Paul, I don't know. He's not in the same uh, conversation, I don't think, really. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I think John Stockton... Like you said, it's, it's definitely recent, recency bias. It's prisoner of the moment. People don't yeah. understand how great that guy was, uh, def especially not even just offensively in his, his, his foresight in regards to passing and having that vision, but he was a bulldog defensively. Oh, man, yeah. And, and, how many steals a game he yeah, would get? Yeah, so yeah, it's like, you know, the, the, incredible. The, the people, people kind of forget how good this guy was for a long time. It wasn't like yeah. a five- or six-year span. John Stockton played 20 years in the league. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 those things that we definitely have to look at. Um, yeah. All right, here's a here's a here's another one where you may lean bias, but I'm gonna <laughs> ask you anyway. 
Okay. Better hybrid point guard. Now I'll explain what the hybrid point guard position means to me is that a guy that is small, but he's not necessarily a point guard. He's more mm-hmm. of an off guard. So they're not okay. going to play him at the two, but they'll play him at the one because of his size, but he's more of a two. Okay. And Steph Curry, because I don't think that Steph Curry is a pure point guard. I think he's more of a hybrid point guard yep. or Allen Iverson. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. Jeez. Wow. Uh, so, so you're asking, like, uh, you're asking, yeah, oh, who would I take? Oh, man. Well, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm biased towards Steph for sure. Um, but Iverson was a, he was a, a generational player that uh, I don't think we'll ever see again. No. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe the tenacity, the passion, the ability to negotiate the game at his size. Um, and, you know, he was on the floor sometimes more often than he was standing on his feet. Right. Uh, you know, because he was going through these trees in the paint and trying to score um just uh an absolute gem of a player and you know i i know people you know do give him a lot of props but you know i think he should be you know right up there is considered one of the greatest of all time he absolutely, absolutely. he was just um a special 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 player and and uh you know just watching him at, in his career he got more out of that body than anybody would have ever because I think, I think you know, you said Ben Simmons didn't have that passion. This is a guy that had more passion than almost anybody I've ever seen play a game. So, um, you know, great, 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 phenomenal career. Um, you know, Steph Curry came in and, and revolutionized the sport. Right. Like, he has changed the game. And and he was not considered somebody that was going to do this. No. He was not, you know, highly sought after to go into college, not highly looked at, you know, when he's coming into the NBA. Um, you know, he took another body that wasn't supposed to do what he does and has revolutionized the game. We have seen a complete shift in basketball and it it goes it, it really goes into me as a basketball fan and, and makes me feel special that I'm part of of watching him at his prime and seeing him revolutionize the game because as I said Steve Nash was a guy that was you know same kind of situation you know I remember the day I was there at the draft I, w- I went to many drafts but I was there the day of the draft and and the Grizzlies, uh, you know, had the possibility of getting Nash. In. And I remember a ton of reporters looking around and saying, Steve freaking Nash, like this guy's <laughs> going to play one season in the NBA. He's going to go to the D League and then he's going to be out of basketball. He might be lucky to play in Europe. And, right. and, and there was these conversations about him. And, and I said, no, you don't know that. I saw this kid and I know the passion that he had for the game and the... Uh, and the desire to keep getting better every off season. And, and he became one of the elite of the elite and changed the game, in my opinion, too. 
And then he paved the way for a guy like Steph to actually even get a shot at it. And, you know, once Steph comes in, uh, the game has changed. And, and, you know, he helped bring these championships so much because he's dangerous as soon as he gets the ball anywhere. And, and, and so, you know, you're going to have to spread the floor to unprecedented levels to, you know, cover him and cover the rest of the team because he walks over, you know, gets the ball over half court and he's dangerous. Right. And, and so I don't think Iverson changed the game. I don't think he revolutionized the sport. So that's why I'm leaning towards Steph. But okay. Jesus Christ, would I love both of them on my team. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I Listen, I'm a... I'm an Allen Iverson fan all day. I'm going to lean AI here. But nice. you know, in regards to, to Steph, you know, what can you say about the guy? He's a, uh, you know, he, like you say, he revolutionized the sport. He He's done things that I never thought you can be able to do shooting a basketball. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, Reggie Miller used to impress me, but, uh, but uh, Steph Curry just, he's a complete monster when it comes to shooting the basketball. So, you know, shouts to Steph. He's one of the best. Um, mm. Let's see. See, I'll give you. Oh, okay. Here's a last one for you. Who would you rather take? Who would you rather have as your big man? Would you have Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Mm. Would you have Shaquille O'Neal? Mm. Or would you have Hakeem Olajuwon? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, you know, I kind of feel like Kareem would be you know the top of those three in my opinion i agree yeah well, do you, yeah yeah um of course of course i'm gonna be biased but you know but yeah you're the laker <laughs> bias is there yeah um you know kareem when i was a kid i would watch basketball and i i remember going to my dad saying uh isn't he cheating? Isn't Kareem, <laughs> isn't Kareem cheating by that skyhook? Sky yeah. Because because he never missed that. And I said to him, that seems like it's cheating. It doesn't seem like nobody else does that. How come he's the only one? And he never misses. I, I don't get it. This is so weird. And, and you know, that Showtime Lakers uh, and, and, you know, him, you know, being there for many years, winning a lot of titles, just... You know, you know, he's just elite of the elite. Like, I think, you know, him and Bill Russell, you know, they should be on Mount Rushmore and then the rest of the center is much below them. Uh, right. Yeah, Absolutely. I just, Kareem is just the man. Uh, you know, Shaq, his physical, imposing, amazing body and the ability to move at that size uh, you know, love to have him on the team. Uh, he wasn't mature enough, in my opinion, to be as elite as he could have been. Uh, and so, you know, he takes a little bit of a back step to Kareem. And Hakeem, um, an incredible, incredible career and phenomenal talent. Uh, amazing. Uh, those two titles were huge and, and really showed the world how good he was. Uh, I wonder if he would have won them if Jordan had not gone to baseball. Uh, I, I wonder, you know, if there would have been uh, eight championships in a row for the Bulls there. But uh, Hakeem was, uh, you know, a phenomenal talent and should go down as one of the best ever. But I think it's, 
I think it's Kareem, uh, maybe Hakeem, and then Shaq, or interchangeable between the two. Uh, Shaq's imposing figure was just, yeah. you know, wow, holy cow. Like, how do you stop this guy? But, right. you know, he should have been able to figure out a free throw. Like, <laughs> come on. He made he made them when they counted, Darren. He made them <laughs> when they counted, right? But, you know, I, I agree with you. I think the way I rank them is exactly how you rank them. I have I have the captain at the top. I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I have Hakeem Olajuwon. People really forget how good this guy was and it's not just his offensive game that people should wow over in regards to the the head fakes and the the ball you know the the ball fakes and all this stuff his defensive ability he literally shut people down he literally did not allow people to score whether it be in the paint him playing defense you know in a post-up situation or just protecting the rim there was nothing you can do with this guy because he was a guy that can be able to move his feet. He can block shots without fouling. That's yeah. one of the best things that a big man can be able to do. This is why Bill Russell was so good because yeah. Bill Russell was able to block shots without fouling. He blocked so many shots that they didn't they didn't even keep stats before. Yeah. Like if they would have kept stats before, he would have probably had 6,000 blocks. Yeah. How good he was. So, right. you know, these are things that people really like. This is why I like, it's hard for me to have certain conversations with certain people that say that they know sports mm, because right. it most people and it's not it's no fault of their own Darren okay. are prisoners of the moment sure what they yeah. see in front of them is what has is what's better than what's ever been yeah. it's not the case not you know true. I remember when when you know Kawhi Leonard won the uh the championship for Toronto. Everybody was saying that he's the best player in the world. They they're comparing him to Jordan. I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we doing? Like Sam. just just enough. But it, it, this is how we do things. It's always the flavor of the month. So you know, yeah. people really need to go back into history and to watch these guys because they they had different games. Yeah. Kareem had a he had a finesse game. Um, but he can also beat you defensively as well. Yeah. Uh, Hakeem, the same way. He had a finesse game, but he can he was dominant on the on the defensive end. Shaq was all power, but don't let the power fool you because he did have some flair to his game in regards to being finesse. He can yeah. be able to face you up and dribble by you and have a little short jump hook and do do things that you never thought a guy that size can be able to do. So, you know, it's, 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 this is why I always like to use those three because they're just so different. They're they're great in their own ways. So I, I I definitely appreciate it. We, we both are going to go big, big cap here because he was just, he was just so special and did Um, it for so long that, you know, you, how can you deny him? Yeah. I'm, I'm loving how often uh, they're reaching out to on TV and he's, He's, uh, you know, giving yeah. opinions and he's talking about, you know, his difficulties with the race relations and right. going back, you know, being in civil rights movement and, right. and uh, you know, his his knowledge and, and wisdom and, you know, just so incredible of a, of a career, but an incredible man, an incredible life, well lived. And, you know, I, I love how often we're getting to see him these days. So, 
you know, maybe the younger generation is Googling Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Let me see what he did. Right. And, you know, hopefully we're, you know, getting more people to appreciate his in incredible talent. Because, yeah, I mean, him and Bill Russell, to me, are the two greatest centers to ever live. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you with that, man. Well, well, Darren, this was this was fun, man. We 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 were on here for like eight hours. It didn't matter because uh, you know we yeah. when we talk sports, man. You know we could be able to talk for days about it because you know yeah. sports is just like we say it's a great unifier. It it's sure. it, it just yeah. it just makes us so happy. It brings us so much joy. So we can be able to just sit here and talk sports all day. And you know I wish I could be able to talk all day, but obviously you know we you have things to do. I have things to do. True. So, yeah. This yeah, well, this was so great, though. I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be a guest. And, you know, I, I enjoyed our conversation last time so much. And and this is a, a blast, man. Uh, it was really nice to be on the other side of things for right. once. And, yeah, and uh, it was, yeah, it was really cool. I, I, I love what you do. I, I see, you know, so many posts that you do on Instagram, and I yeah, love it. Yeah. It keeps me abreast of all the new signings right. and all the new deals coming all the time. And yeah, every right. time I've listened to your podcast, I, I've been thoroughly entertained. You, you're really good at what you do. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad you found your niche. I'm glad you found your calling. And, and uh, yeah, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, as we progress on to this, um, we're going to talk about yeah, you remember those early days and look where we are now and it's right. just going to keep going and going and going. Absolutely, man. I, I I appreciate everything you said. I really appreciate that. And like, you know, you, you we, we've grown to be friends and, and, you know, we'll always keep in contact, Um, you know, so I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing, you know, keep building your platform as well, you know, yes. continue to do what you're doing because, you know, you, 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 you have knowledge, you, you, you know what you're talking about, you you're, you're personable. And that's what, that's what it's about in this business is that, you know, people, people see through the BS, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, they, they know when you're putting on a show yeah. and, yeah. you know, sometimes people like that for very small periods of time, but sure. for the most part, they want you to be yourself and they want to, they want to be able to enjoy that personality, that natural organic personality with you and go through the journey with you. So, you know, just continue yeah. to be who you are, man. You're a great person. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're very humble and, and that's going to take you far as well as anybody else who's listening. You know, you got to be humble in whatever you do, like, you know, ego and being arrogant and all that stuff. Yes, that's, that's needed at times, but being humble and, you know, going through experiences and, and meeting great people and, you know, lending a hand and, and offering help and stuff like that. That's what's needed. That's absolutely what's needed in this world. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been many things that have shaped my life and, and helped me have a good life. I, I look back and yes, I've had some ups and downs and, you know, tough things go on as we all have, but uh, you know, a, a unifying force, like you say, is sports and, and all the things that have put me together. Uh, you know, I hope to, be able to show people a way to have a good life right. and you know if you can embrace sports you can find teams that you have allegiances to if you can find players that you can appreciate their uh, talent and their ability and you can have sports in your life i think it, it really helps you have a good life right. i think uh you know being athletic uh being you know not just watching tv watching sports from the couch uh, you know, you, you should play sports too. I think, you know, being an athlete was very crucial to my development and helped me stay away from 
a lot of trouble I could have got into worse. And absolutely, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I want kids to, ex you know, experience nature and play sports, be outside for the most part. Uh, there's a lot of time to be inside in the winter. As you're older, you know, be outside, play right. sports, enjoy sports, go to sporting events and watch them, but play them as well. And and I'm hoping that, yeah, more people that watches uh, watch me, watch you, you know, start putting sports as an important part of their life and become passionate with it and, and embrace it because, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have had as good of a life if I wasn't a sports fan and I wasn't an athlete. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man, 100%. And, you know, like sports is sports is a beautiful thing. Like, you know, you got to if you if you can be able to, you know, like a sport, whatever it is, I don't care if it's badminton, like just the you know, sports for people, it, it's needed. It's always weird to me when I meet somebody, you know, especially a guy. I don't want like to be sexist, but like, you know, when I meet a guy and like, yeah, I'm not really into any sport. I'm like, you're not into anything. Bowling, <laughs> not like, not like, I don't, I just don't, I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. You know what I mean? But, um, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, sports, sports is a great thing. We need sports in our lives. Uh, we need sports for our society because it brings people together and it's just a great thing. So, you know, before I sign out, definitely want to give you a chance to, you know, promote your social media stuff as well again. Yeah, well, just uh, find find me on the Complete Media Network. That's Complete Media Network on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, on our website. Uh, and this, you know, Complete Sports Media is what brought me uh, into Barry's life. But, uh, you know, we have so many genres of, of entertainment and things uh, to fulfill and enrich your life. So Absolutely. Uh, go to completemedianetwork.com and uh, yeah, tell your friends and family once you go on there and see how much great content we provide. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep working and providing more and, and just opening up this world. And uh, we're having a blast doing it over here. Uh, and uh, the borders have been closed because of COVID, but once uh, they open up again, uh, come visit and uh, come see our beautiful uh, part of the world here. We were ranked the best city in the world in a, a recent poll. I, I mean, the best country in the world in right. a recent poll I, I just saw. And uh, yeah, I'm very proud to take you around and show you how great of a, of a country, how great of a city and province we have here. And and uh yeah man this was a blast I, I i enjoyed it so much uh thanks for enriching my saturday and and uh yeah keep in touch we'll we'll talk really soon i'm sure i'd like to thank my man darren for coming on the show it was a it was a great interview we pretty much got into everything we wanted to talk about it was like seven hours <laughs> shouts to my man darren campbell you know he's doing his thing out there in british columbia you know on the other side so you know keep doing what you're doing man keep grinding with the network Coming up after the break, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week, on a Saturday. It's all even. This is Cigar Gents and Gals. Just want to give a shout out to All Even Podcast, the best sports podcast out there. Keep up the amazing work. Also check us out at CigarGentsAndGals.com, where everyday apparel for cigar smokers. Let's get it. What's going on? What's up with you? It's your boy, the Candyman, the ALFRE to the D. It's your boy, Alfred, from the Rap Lab Podcast. And it's the one and only True G. Just call me the QG from the Rap Lab Podcast. And you tuned in to All Even with Barry Grant. Boy, that shit crazy. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, 
the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy, yeah. We pick candidates on Tuesday and Saturday, and then we pick the winner on that Saturday show. So since I wasn't around on Tuesday, there was no show. I had time to kind of sit back and look at all the potential candidates, see who was messing up from who wasn't. And there was one particular guy that's been itching to have him slip up so he can appear on the show. May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is Dennis Schroeder, former point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, current free agent. Dennis Schroeder is my winner for... Dummy. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this all season. This is the one where this is like the holy grail of Dummy of the Weeks for me. Because I've been waiting in the wings all season long. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'd like to bring you back to last offseason in the NBA. The Lakers are coming off an NBA championship and Rob Palenka feels that he has to shake things up. He has to get younger. He has to get more dynamic. Get guys that can be able to make plays and hit threes and have the team be a little bit more versatile in regards to being big or small. Pause. But here's where things kind of get a little messed up. Rob Palenka makes a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They acquire Dennis Schroeder from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They trade Danny Green and a first-round pick. And Schroeder was the backup for Chris Paul on the Thunder. Schroeder comes here now, and I'm like, hey, great, great. This is is beautiful, man. We got Dennis coming off the bench, so we're going to have Braun at the point. We're going to have Wesley Matthews at the two, or whoever wants to play the two. And then we have Dennis and and Harold coming off the bench with the unit. Oh, that's going to be dope. That's going to be a great bench mob, right? I was excited. Then you heard talks talking about, oh, well, Dennis Schroeder wants to start. The arrangement was that he wouldn't come to the Lakers unless he can be able to start. And I said, why? He's never started. The only time he's ever started is when he was in Atlanta and that team was trash. So nobody even cares. Nobody even cares. Nobody remembers that far how bad they were and how bad he was. Everybody wants to remember, okay, said Schroeder playing well, yay. That's the Schroeder I wanted, the guy off the bench. He comes here. He's dictating what's going on. Okay, strike one. Then season starts and he's playing poorly. He's having bad games. Can't shoot can't shoot he can dribble I've never seen a point guard dribble into more double teams than Dennis Schroeder never lazy dribbling turning the ball over strike two here's the kicker here's the Bugs Bunny swinging 50 times at the slow pitch coming in Dennis Schroeder was offered a four-year 84 million dollar deal by the Lakers and he turned it down (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he turned it down because he wanted a fair deal. 
fair. I just want things to be fair. I want to come back. Yeah, I love the Lakers. I want to come back. That's all he kept saying. I want to come back. I want things to be fair. Well, guess what? Offseason comes now. The Lakers are completely out on Dennis Schroeder. They go ahead and trade for Russell Westbrook. So automatically, you're looking at it like, okay, well, are they bringing back Schroeder? Uh, maybe. But then we see that there's no market for Dennis. <laughs> there's, no <laughs> there's no market for him at all. There's no market for him. Nobody wants Schroeder. I'm seeing bad. I'm seeing backup point guards, backup to the backup point guards getting getting deals. I see Alex Caruso get his money. I saw TJ McConnell get his money. Devontae Graham get his money. So many people get their money. And who's still left in free agency? Looking around. Dennis <laughs> He must be so livid right now. I don't know who he's more upset with himself. His agent, the people that he listens to, but they all need to be fired. <laughs> this is poetic justice for me. He turned down $84 million at a chance to get possibly a hundred. So let's do the math here. He was betting on himself for, for, for an extra $16 million. Okay. But he ended up possibly losing 70 to 80 million <laughs> because nobody's offering any contract. I'm hearing that the Boston Celtics possibly are talking to him. But what are they going to give him? Are they going to give him the mid-level exception at $10 million? So if he does take that, that means that he lost $74 million in free agency. Lost $74 million at a chance to get 16 to 20 now i'm not a math whiz but i would rather take the 74 million than the 20 right well this is what i know about dennis schroeder from the year that he played with the lakers not too bright not too bright for you to think that you're gonna be able to dictate what happens on a championship level team you come from obscurity and think that you're gonna be able to dictate what goes on here Oh, no, 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 no. The basketball gods have shown you that you're not the one. <laughs> they said, oh, you think that you got the big stick around here. Okay, hold this for a second. We're going to make the Boston Celtics offer you three million. <laughs> Everybody was saying that Kyle Kuzma was going to be the one that ends up in China. <laughs> Boy, were they wrong. It is Dennis Schroeder. Ah, this is great. Look, man, you better you better sign a contract quick because, you know, if not, Burger King is hiring. <laughs> They're always hiring. And the fact that you got that little, you know, brown patch in your hair, they're going to tell you, listen, Dennis, we have McDonald's or Burger King policy here that we like our employees to have straight color hair. You know, you can have the full thing. Uh, colored a certain way, but we don't like the mismatch. So please, you're going to have to address that. Or else this money is going to go away just like the Laker money <laughs> went away. I'm telling you, man, in, in the dummy verse, 
You know, there has to be a leader, right? You know, for the Avengers, they had uh, Tony Stark and, and Captain America. Dennis Schroeder is the leader of the Dummyverse. He is Captain Dummy. <laughs> Captain Dummy, and he walks around with a bad calculator. Well, the 80 million is, that's worse than 20, right? <laughs> ah. So Dennis Schroeder. If Dummy was a person, your face would be splattered all over it. And you're a winner for Dummy of the Week. That's all for this show. That's all for this week. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Until then, stay safe. Stay cool. Peace. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcasts. Listen to the show on Podbeam, Amazon Music, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcast available. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.